Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. People's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. I have one thing to say. You better work. Hey, Bill Lee, you're really getting into this. Yeah, three snaps up. Avery, Avery, relax. Calm down here. RuPaul, Drag Race, Runway Model, right? The theme here is you got to work it. You got to work it. Girls, guys, non-binary, 72 different gender identifications, sexuality in all its different forms well we're going to go in a different direction in the next few hours i had a conversation with her 10 minutes prior to her getting shot in the neck she was literally there just to support her president 
Where the hell did that come from? Uh, Bill Leon loaned to us from WCBS-FM 40 years. You've been laboring away on the FM uh, dial. FM standing for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana. Yeah, we'll be talking about that. Uh, Frank Morano, who's, again, missing in action. And Frank McKay. Now, who's Frank McKay? He's the president of our operations, our own FM station. W-L-I-R, that hits the east end of Long Island, in which there are a particular three people who listen religiously every time I'm on the air. That's right, Bill Lee and Avery. It's at the Cuomo compound there, owned by Fredo, a.k.a. Musclehead, Chris Cuomo. And then, of course, his brother, the Michael Corleone of the Cuomo family, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, as they have hit the mattresses, they're stirring the marinara sauce, welcoming in the new year. And, of course, upon the release of their uh, <laughs> their favorite person, their leg breaker, Joe Pococo, who just finished doing six years in a federal camp for political corruption, is now challenging that guilty uh, verdict. In the United States Supreme Court, what hubris, what chutzpah, what culions, what huevos. And then again, ladies and gentlemen, that's what this is, 24-7-365. Oh, yeah, later on we're going to be talking about the Drag Queen Reading Hour. Oh, my God, demonstrations galore, and I'm saying, hey, hey, wait a second. I don't know about you. Uh, Bill Lee, you can relate to this because Avery, he's just a young whippersnapper. Uh, what, he, uh, you know, he's grown up with Eddie Murphy dressed in drag. And who is that, Tyler? What's Tyler's name? He's now like a billionaire. Uh, Tyler Perry, that's right. Right? Hey, look, look, look. Hey, we're getting all excited. Tyler Perry there. Don't don't borrow any of his dresses, Avery. Uh, but we got, hey, when I grew up, it was Milton Berle every week, right? In a dress. And um, <laughs> Flip Wilson every week in a dress. It's like everybody's getting better. Oh, my God, drag queen reading hours. The destruction of civilization. I'm, I'm looking at these crazies on both sides the other day, screaming, invectives, yelling. Antifa, AOC on one side, screwballs on the far, far right on the other side. You would think this was the death, the destruction of all civilization, apocalypse now. Not, we'll also deal with, uh, oh, that's right, ho, 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 um, dog day afternoon, remember, remember Pacino? Robbed that bank with his friend Sal. Why? Because they wanted to, uh, well, actually, Pacino wanted to get a um, sex change operation for his boyfriend slash girlfriend, Leon. Remember that? That was like 1975. Actually, 72, I think. And then we just saw that transgender stab and kill her father. Or is it his father? I am. And almost kill his, her sister. And parade outside of the precinct there in Bensonhurst. And I like, it's almost like RuPaul there, you know? Like he could have played this music here. Yeah, sachet, compose. Three snaps up. What the hell is going on here? 50 years later. Oh, yeah, and then Michelle Obama. Saying, you know, for 10 years, 
I hated Barack Obama's guts. And people say, oh, you can't say that. That's hush, hush, mush, mush. Take those uh, secrets to your grave. Or is it better that people just openly talk about it? Yeah, so we're moving in a little different direction than same old, same old in talk radio, which is Biden sucks, which he does. I have to agree with that. Trump has fallen off his horse. Yes, he has. And, of course, the sanctimonious is on the rise, or DeSantis, whatever you are. Of course, but I got to hear it freaking 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Could I have that, RuPaul, a little underneath, keep it very low? I have one thing to say. Yeah, what's that, RuPaul? You better work. Yeah, well, I, I think that should be the battle cry here at WABC. Does anybody want to work anymore? Uh... I had this conversation with our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who's been doing two shifts for the last week. Yeah, the guy who owns it. A billionaire, right? Normally, you know, he'd be flying off, right, to St. Bart's or some exotic West Indian Caribbean location like the rest of the Trendoids, Freakasoids, Jet Setters, billionaires. And yet all week he's been hunkered down. Hosting the morning show, Sid Rosenberg and friends, although I'm the fiend and foe, who had his pipes explode in his brand-new house out in the Rockaways because the schmuck to parts coming from the Upper West Side never realized that, hey, you know, out there in the Rockaways, I should have asked the Irish guys and gals out here who've been through this before, maybe I should have left the water running right in the sink and in the tub to prevent the pipes from freezing and exploding. So here it is. Uh, John's had to do the shift. I've had to do the shift with him. And then Frank Morano. Hello. Has anybody seen Frank Morano out there? He's like, oh, he's doing wine and cheese tasting, uh, fromage and wine tasting in Atlantic City. And I'm saying, like, excuse me, uh, as you know, Billy, get a microphone like WCBS-FM, yours, or WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, now heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker, the Bahamas and Bermuda. What the hell would you want to be in Atlantic City for? First of all, you're going to lose all your money shooting craps at the Borgata, right? But he's a schnorr like so many other people. They, they, they just don't understand where their priorities are. Hey, let's go to that Mama Luke Frank in Staten Island. And so my wife Nancy turns to me and she says... Does anybody want to work here at WABC? I see they all like like bagged out. <laughs> it's like but by the by the time everybody gets back, Bill Lee, in just five days, I will have had done forty two hours of broadcasting, which as you know, I don't mind. WABC, the acronym stands for always broadcasting Curtis. But you gotta say to yourself, and this is what I repeatedly have said to all of you out there. As what I said to our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, and uh, his wife, Marco, of Red Apple Media, our parent company, Chad Lopez, the president of the operation, it's difficult to get to number one. And we had a long, hard climb back from the basement. uh, Basement birth uh, to number one, second to none now. But the hardest part of the job is staying number one. Because now everybody comes for you. That used to be Vince Lombardi, right? Vince Lombardi grew up in Brooklyn, right? Went to Fordham University, part of the four blocks of granite. Then became assistant coach uh, at the Giants. At the same time that Tom Landry was an assistant coach, 
And he wondered, gee, will I be the uh, the coach of the Giants? Will Tom Landry be the coach of the Giants? No, we're not going to wait around. Tom Landry went to the brand-new franchise in Dallas. And Vince Lombardi went to a place that nobody could have found on a map. Green Bay, Wisconsin. And you know the rest of their history. And Ali Sherman, who had been the uh, quarterback at Brooklyn College, who ever knew that they had a football team? I thought they had an aversion to pig, to hazerite, to pigskin. Ali Sherman, who had been the quarterback of the Brooklyn College football team, rose through the ranks of coaching and became the coach of the New York Giants. Wow. But they had to work it. I mean, Vince Lombardi had to work it. Tom Landry had to work it. Ali Sherman had to work it. So much so that eventually when my kumbadi chief, Rudy Giuliani, by the way, he was broadcasting down in Florida. He's working this week. I think he'll be broadcasting from Mar-a-Lago on Monday. Who knows if we'll have Donald Trump on the air, right? Forget George Santos. Man, I, I, what, you got to work it, right? Come on, Bill. You know, once you're number one, it's tough for staying number one because now everybody's coming at you. And I noticed that a lot of our talk show hosts and hosts are like bailing out. It's like, well, you know, I got to max in, relax. You know, I need mental health days. Uh, I got a sniffle, uh, you know, who knows, maybe I got COVID-19, RSV, uh, a flu, uh, you know, a fever in my foot. So I turned to uh, John Katsimatidis as I was hosting the morning show with him this uh, past week. And I said, John, does anybody want to work here? He said, that was my same question. My wife asked the same question. Does anybody want to work at WABC? It's sort of like, <laughs> you're the number one news talk station in the nation. You're a global radio station now that people can listen to you on the app, crystal clear, in Melbourne, Australia, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, in Cape Town, South Africa, on the live stream with your laptop computer, on your work computer. Oh, yeah, nobody wants to come to work. Hey, where? Sid Rosenberg, what are you, repairing the pipes? You really think that the Jew, Sid Rosenberg, is repairing his own pipes. Come on. Does that make me anti-Semitic? You know that guy. That guy never had a ratchet wrench in his hand in his life. This guy did not grow up reading popular mechanics, right? I mean, let's be real. He always had the Gentiles to do that kind of work, right? Hey, Irish guy, hey, you're a plumber. What? How much are you charging me an hour? Man, a doctor would charge me less for an operation. And then Frank Morano, Atlantic City there, uh, shooting craps, losing all of his money, having his annual wine and fromage tasting uh, event. I came out of the closet recently. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on, Frank. I, I, I... <laughs> Does anybody want to work anymore? And the reason I mention this is this um, old uh, codger. A successful billionaire in his own right, although he's got many years on John Katsimatidis and me. He's 93 years old, the founder of Home Depot. I'm trying to remember what his name is. Bernie Marcus, I think. Bernie Marcus said, nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody gives a damn. <laughs> Marcus added that he's worried about capitalism and said, hey, you know, socialism is slowly creeping back into our society. Nobody works. Nobody gives a damn. Just give it to me. Send me money. I don't want to work. I'm too lazy. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. 
I think that pretty much epitomizes it. It's like I understand if you have a job that you really hate, loathe, despise. I've had those in my life, man. It's like you say, Curtis, you never sleep. I, I never sleep because I can't wait to get up and do this thing of ours because this is not work. When I was a night manager of Mickey D's where I started the Guardian Angels in 1979, I got to tell you, I wanted to sleep every extra minute I could. I dreaded I hated working at McDonald's. I hated being a manager there with the uh, golden arches on. You know, with the guru, Ray Kroc there, you know, Max Fries and Strawberry Shakes. I hated every second of it. So when you hate your job, when you don't like your job, you actually will try to grab every extra ounce. Oh, can I can I sleep another half hour? Another, I dread going to that job. And unfortunately, a lot of Americans are stuck in that situation. They got to work to eat. They got to work to feed their family. They got to work to pay the rent. They got no choice. They've got to work. Well, what the hell do you talk about? This is not freaking work here, W. Oh, I need uh, mental health. I need, fit. I need to escape. What do you escape? You're talking into a microphone to millions of people around the world. This is like, there are people, as you know, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, in the heartland of America, in Iowa, uh, outside of Dubuque, Iowa, where it's a two-watt station, right? It's heard like within 20 miles, and they dream, one day I'm going to get to WABC. One day I'm going to be able to broadcast it. They're listening to us as we speak, say. Yeah, one day I want to be just like Curtis Lee. No, maybe not Curtis Lee. Too many people are trying to kill him. But maybe one day I want to be like Frank Morano. No, no, he's a mama Luke. One day I want to be like Sid. No, no, Sid, he's a peacock. I'm the man. Yeah, what? <laughs> one day I want to be like Dominic Carter. No, he's a black guy. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm the McWhitey Whitey in Iowa. Like, who the hell do I want to be like at WABC? No, I just want to. Oh, Cousin Brucey, right? That's right. Come on. Let's pay tribute to the number one DJ of all time, Cousin Brucey. And even Cousin Brucey, right, last year, he welcomed in the new year, right? Remember, Bill Lee? He did the countdown, the audience. Hey, welcome in the new year. We weren't number one yet. Now, all of a sudden, this year, it's like, and I'm not interested. Uh, what about you, Tony? Nah, Tony Orlando. Again. Nah, sorry. Well, who the hell is going to welcome in the new year? Well, Curtis, what are you doing? Well, I'm in Times Square with the Guardian Angels every year, you know, for all the mishigash that goes on there, for all the crazy people who plan their entire life by coming in from Montreal and Mexico City because nobody in their right mind who's born and raised in the five boroughs is going to be down in Times Square other than if you have to work in Times Square, right? Because you got to sit, sit in a cattle pen wearing the pens for seven hours because once you leave, that's it. You can't get back in. And some idiots, drunk already at 6 o'clock at night when the pens start filling up, are blowing horns in your face and in your ears. My God. Now that's work, right? Imagine you got to get a sign of Times Square and they're blowing horns in you. Like, I got to get the hell out of here. This is not work. Where the hell did everybody go? I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, when a, we're the number one news talk station in the nation. It was a long, hard climb and fight to resurrect ourselves. We were on the scrap heap and not for John and Margot Katzmatidis coming along and buying the Tower of Power, the 50,000 powerful watts of sound in Lodi, 
in the shadow of uh, Satin Dolls, the strip club there, or Bada Bing uh, in the uh, Sopranos. Man, that's it. We would have either continued to broadcast, but in uh, Bengali, or maybe uh, Cantonese, or Mandarin, or Yiddish, or Russian, or obviously Spanish. But we wouldn't have been WABC, important to all of you. And now, after that long climb out of the abyss, working morning, noon, and night to become number one, everybody gunning for us now because, you know, when you're number one, they come gunning for you. It's like Elon Musk, right, with um, Tesla. You know, at first he was the only one to make electric cars. Oh, number one. Now they're all making electric cars. And notice Tesla going down, down, down. And nobody can claim this guy's a slacker and a deadbeat, right? Elon Musk, he's like working 24-7-365. I think he's on Adderall, to be honest with you. But that guy ain't taking a vacation. Right? He's, he lost $200 billion in one year. $200 billion he lost in one year. And he's working his ass off to avoid losing it all now. But we got other people here. No, 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 I got him. I got to do my annual uh, wine and fromage testing in Atlantic City and lose all my money shooting crops. I can't be here in the morning because my pipes burst in the Rockaways because I was a schmuck in a putz. And I didn't realize you got to turn the faucets on in the sink or the tub, you know, to keep your pipes from exploding. Who else has been out of here? Oh, yeah, Brian Kilmeade had some uh, substitutes who were like junior high school broadcasters. Bill O'Reilly had this guy. Oh, man, he drives me nuts. Mike Slater. Oh, I'm a podcaster. Really? You have no business being on WABC. Lieutenant Colonel uh, uh, Greg Kelly, gone. Uh, Bo Snurdy, gone. It's like, what the hell? Don't you realize the importance of this? And as my wife said to me, it's like, is anybody working there? <laughs> I guess who's going to help me welcome in the new year tomorrow since apparently it's left to me. No Cousin Brucey, no Tony Orlando to do it. Me, Curtis Sliwa, uh, Nancy's going to join us. Yeah, we'll have a little party here, Bill Lee. Uh, Avery, uh, I know you're a teetotaler. I realize, Avery, that uh, you got to be ready for Sunday service for the pastor. You know, he's a real church boy. Oh, my God, this guy, he's a prohibitionist. It takes uh, Avery three days to get up enough moisture in his mouth to spit. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, every Sunday. It's like uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, right, for four years. Uh, who was there, Reverend? They were going to the south side of Chicago. was screaming, white devils, you know, ice people, uh, sun people. I never heard it. I never heard it. We were there 10 years every Sunday. I didn't hear because everybody was up on their feet going, hallelujah, amen, uh, you know, uh, through the din. <laughs> hey, 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 nobody's calling here, right? No way. Hey, callers, you're not going to work it? You know, and I don't want to hear the same callers, you know, to be honest with you. Let me be perfectly honest with you. I listen to the other shows. I hear the same people calling. Now, come on, Bill Lee, the same people. It's like, no, we have phone screeners who are lazy. I understand. They want to talk, but, hey, I know a lot of people, 99% of the people out there who listen to talk radio will never call a talk radio program. Never, never, never. 
So naturally, there are a few who will call 247-365. They got it on speed dial. And then you figure, like, uh, I guess they don't want me to call. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they're happy with the same people, same old people calling all the time. Hey, you know, it's like, uh, friends, how many uh, do you have? How many do you need? You know, Houdini, right? No, no, no. With me, we want fresh slices, not old slices. This is your opportunity to be heard. This is your, I don't have guests. I don't ever have guests unless management and ownership put two guns to my head and they say, read your contract, Curtis, unless you want to be out on the street. You will interview this person today. Okay, I got it. But that's not my thing. You have more information to offer. You have more life experiences. You are more interesting than any guest. Because in my mind, a guest, what do you think? The guest already knows what they're going to say. They're professional guests. Uh, they got it right on the teleprompter in front of them, right? Oh, this is what I'm going to say, and you're not going to shake me. No, 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 no. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you, the people. It's your turn to be hurt. You know, in the words of my mentor, Bob Grant, the king of all talk, talk radio locally, Rush Limbaugh was nationally. He was more interested in what you had to say than any guest. Now, he did have guests from time to time, and he treated them amazingly well. But the callers, <laughs> he'd smack around and have a good time. And those of you who are sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys, what would Bob Grant say? Get off my phone, you jerk. And, no, Bob, you're wonderful. You're great. Click. The rest of us were like, oh, my God, it's idolatry. You're kissing on tukas. Uh, you kissed my left tukas. How about kissing my right tukas? Oh, my God, my. How do I get this across? I've been doing this thing of uh, 35 years, right? 35 years. I know what it's like to be number one. I know what it's like to be last. And guess what? In this business, you don't get a participatory trophy for just trying. When you're number one. It is harder to stay number one. You got to work twice as hard. Yeah. Or as my wife Nancy said, doesn't anybody want to work at WABC? Apparently not. I have one thing to say. What's that? You better work. Damn right. Till the day I freaking die. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. the illegal weed you're smoking or the legal weed. Just to give you an example, right? 
What happened the other day? Thursday, 420, the opening of the first legal weed store in New York. And who was down there to cover it? Curtis Lewa. And I did it for Anthony Weed, who was substituting for Bo Snurton at 4. And then I was on at 5 with John Katsimatidis in the roundtable discussion. And in the in-between, people were going, Puff, Puff, Pass, yo, Curtis, you want to blaze away on this? I said, sure. But I'm not going to win hell like Bill Clinton. And a few hundred people online were laughing their ass off, right? Well, how do you do that and you don't inhale? Watch. And then everybody put the cameras on me. Psych! Yeah, I thought you were going to get me, right? Blowing up that herb, right? No, 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 no. And then you know me, uh, Avery and uh, Bill Lee. I didn't stand around with all the paparazzi and all the reporters. Lazy. I went where all the black market dealers have been 24-7-3-6-5. Washington Square Park and Tompkins Square Park. And, man, it was mad dealing, mad dealing weed. And, you know, the good stuff from California, Humboldt County. Not the ragweed from New York State because, you know, a legal weed shop like Jersey. Jersey does it better, by the way. They do it better when it comes to no cash bail. They do it better when it comes to the sale of the recreational use of marijuana. But, ah, everyone's so omnipotent, uh, pretentious, pompous, arrogant, know-it-all. You know, like our talk show hosts and hostesses here at WABC. No, 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 no. New York, we're going to do it a different way. Sorry, you're going to fail. Oh, my God. Hey, you want to... Hey, uh, did you get that new bud coming in? Yeah, you want to sample the product? Can't do that in a legal weed store. By the way, you know, if I get a hamburger today on Tuesday, can I pay you on Thursday? Yeah, yeah, we'll give you credit. We'll deliver. No taxes. And by the way, we're here 24-7-365. We don't close at 7 with 500 people still online. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But i got to tell you, being out there in Washington Square Park, Tompkins Square Park, Lower East Side, Greenwich Village, man, i got to contact high, man. I think when I go down there now between the legal weed and the illegal weed and everyone blazing up, I'm going to have to wear a respirator, a hazmat suit, or like if, if they gave me a drug test, I'd fail. Just from the secondary smoke, the contact high. It's like somebody just shotgunned me, right? Right, Jimmy? Right? Ever see that time when Jimi Hendrix was being shotgunned as he was playing that guitar? He was, what? They stuck a shotgun under his nose. No, 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 no. Somebody inhaled the herb and then just blew it right into his mouth, right? Shotgun! But... Was that guy kissing him when he did that? I don't know. Okay, the guy was from Seattle. You never know. Jimmy Hendrix died at 27. Jim Morrison died at 27. And uh, Janis Joplin, although I don't think it was uh, weed with Janis Joplin. Uh, country, uh, oh, the hell, man. Southern Comfort. Yeah, I'm not a boozer. Not a booze hound. But I'm sure she did a fair share of weed. Uh, died at 27. How the hell? Did they die so young? Oh, there was smoking marijuana. No. It may have been from the alcohol and the other drugs that they were consuming. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the other thing is like, you know, substituting for Frank. Now that he's got the nationally syndicated show, you know, you can't mention WABC. Why? Why not, man? This, I, 
Broadway, Bill Lee, can you imagine not being able to say WCBS-FM? FM Vedsheds would say, wow, that's where Jim Causey is. Oh, yeah, that's where, oh, man, he just retired. Scott Shannon was, right? That's where Bill Lee is. Now they tell you, shh, quiet. There's a one-watt station that's, that's carrying Frank Morano in, uh, where is that? Uh, oh, yeah, Culver City, Nevada. And they might be offended if you mentioned the call letters, WABC. What, are you crazy? They want to be at WABC. They want to listen to WABC. They want to know that whatever syndicated program they're listening to on their little one-watt station is connected to the Mothership Connection. What? And we got people here. Shh, shh. What are you doing? the hell I've been doing this 35 years. I've done syndicated radio. Get out of here. Go on vacation. I kick your ass right out in the street. Purple haze, God walking the streets in New York City now. It's like, oh my God! Hey, you know, it used to be people smoking cigarettes. Wasn't that bad, right? Oh my God, the reefer smell is every, and it gets into your clothes, right? And then people say, "Oh, you've been, you've been vaping, huh?" No, no, <laughs> trust me. Hey, maybe we have to take a sample of your hair, and you know, test. Hey, you want to take a little boy's whiz? Here, 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 a little bottle. Going to the men's room, but I got to watch you because how do I know you're not putting somebody else's urine in that body? No, you're not going to watch me take out my three-piece set. I must. Well, don't get excited when I do because I don't want queer eyes on the back of my straight guy, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Penelope, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard as we take you to the break of dawn, Penelope. Hi, Curtis. You're the greatest. Uh, I just want to say how I love uh, you guys alive and local, getting it done. I miss Greg Kelly this week. Dominic Carter was okay. Um, I Frank Morano's voice starts to irk me after a while. I get like, yeah, it's just not good. And um, I just, you know, all the... Uh, the fill-ins this week was not really, you know, what we needed. Well, you know, I tell you what, I tell you what, Penelope, and again, I'm going to tell my colleagues when they finally decide to get back here. Although I will tell you this, Dominic Carter was on fire because remember he had to do two shifts. Uh, you had Lydia Serrano; she had to do two shifts. So a lot of my colleagues, oh, great, yeah, they had to do two shifts. You know, I'm used to doing that. You know, you you, you give up a, a, a minute, and I'm going to take that talk time real estate. I've been doing this for so long. But I got to tell you, Penelope, I can't be opting out like this. Oh, well, you know, they walk around. We're number one. Ain't going to be number one that long if you're away so much. And Penelope here, I mean, look. And Penelope, you see, she listens around the clock, right? Hey, you keep taking time off. And this is what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, the ratings are going to drop. How did that happen? And then naturally, everybody then blames the host or the hostess, as they should. 
because they're gold bricking and slacking and being a deadbeat. And then who do the hosts and hostesses blame, Billy? Everyone behind the scenes that nobody ever heard of. You say, who, who, well, my assistant program uh, director, you know. Well, who's that? I mean, it's easy to blame people behind the scenes. You know, we just we just hired a new uh, telephone talent coordinator. That's going to make all the difference in the world. Well, that telephone talent coordinator, will they be in studio more than you are as a talk show host or hostess? Oh, my God. Anyway, let's go to uh, Robert, who's calling from Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Robert. Hey, Bobby. Look at that. Bobby just called up. He's out there in Suffolk County. He probably is blazing away, you know, and all of a sudden he decided, hey, let me go outside, you know, the smell. It's, in, it's sort of intoxicating. Get off my phone, Robert. Unbelievable. Let's go to Teresa in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Teresa. Hey, Curtis. Good to hear your voice, finally. <laughs> well, not, I mean, you're always on, but... Not this week. Anyway, um, I live in senior housing. I'm 65, and uh, there's absolutely no smoking of any kind allowed, not even 100 feet uh, near the building. But every time I go in the hallway, I smell weed, and I don't like it. There's central everything. I don't – I think it's a bunch of bull, the medical – but, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, everybody's going to want to take a bite out of me now. But how do you Now, now hold on a second. Teresa, you're not alone. Uh, the mayor of the uh, city of New York, Eric Adams, had another press conference in Times Square. didn't go that well today, but every time he goes to Times Square, this is his reaction. One thing for sure, one law that was passed is clearly being practiced right now because I smell some weed. Someone is smoking. <laughs> Someone is smoking. <laughs> what a goofball, right? Like a kid out of junior high school just smoked his first joint of ragweed. So Teresa is not alone in your senior citizen center. The mayor apparently, wherever he goes, you know... Now, do you think his schnoz can detect Bill Lee, the gradation, the buds? You know, what kind of, uh, what kind of gradation, uh, it originally came from? You know, the, the connoisseurs, like the wine connoisseurs, like in, you know, the show that, uh, Avery hates, Frazier, you know, with his brother Niles, you know, how they, <laughs> like Frank is doing right now, swishing that Mad Dog 2020 wild Irish rose around in his, mouth while he has his Velveeta cheese at his uh, fromage and wine uh, annual event in Atlantic City. Why the hell would you want to be there and not here? I, I, don't, I do not for the life of me understand that. Let's go to that Mama Luke Frank in Staten Island. It's like, you pass that, Frank. You, pa- you, you, you got a nationally syndicated show. But I'd much rather sample Velveeta cheese and a swish, a Wild Irish Road, Mad Dog 2020, Midnight Express around in my mouth, and act like I'm a, what is that, a suplug you? Well, what was that term that they, a suplug, what's that, ladies and gentlemen, what's that uh, term again for somebody who switches wine around in their mouth and then spits it out in a spittoon? I mean, come on. And they call that classy, like Freddie Blassie. one 800 848 
Let's go if we can. Uh, Giuseppe, Joey from Tom's River, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hello, Curtis. How are you? How do you, uh, how about Joe, how do you think I am? I just talked about purple haze here. I feel like I'm getting a contact uh, Curtis, listen, I, 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 How hoping. do you think I feel here? Nobody wants to work here at WABC. How do you think I feel, well, Giuseppe? I would like to hear you every day of the week for 12 hours a day. I would like to hear you, but you're well, not Well, uh, at this rate, with everybody begging out, you may be hearing me 12 hours a day. No, I enjoy you totally compared thank, to thank everybody you. else. Oh, Nobody can shine your shoes. Yeah, kiss my right tuchus now. You just finished kissing my left tuchus. Go for it, Joe. Okay, but listen, I, you know, with this marijuana garbage and... It, they made it legal in just about every state in our country now. And I'm a recovered, you know, you name it. I've done every drug on the planet. I was addicted for 28 years of my 77 years on the planet. Wow. And, uh, what was, what was the, out of all the different things you were addicted to, what was the toughest thing to recover from out of all the drugs? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, there was no toughest drug. What made me recover and look at myself for the first time was when my wife left me and my two children left me. And I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, it's not that her, it's got to be me. And I ran to therapy. Good. And I've been working on myself ever since for the last 38 years. Now, let me ask you a question because you obviously were addicted to some drugs. What about if you're a workaholic, right? Uh, do you go for oh, some? I was a workaholic, too. Yeah, yeah, and see. I worked, up until, I worked up until three years ago when I had to have... Four surgeries on my spine in oh. eight months. Madonna, my. And then they Please. had you back on the pills, the pain-killing pills. So how the hell did you? Yeah, I had to go back on them, oh. but, I, they, but I'm not addicted to okay, them. Okay, that's good. But now, now, Joe, uh, uh, what's good to know is that in everything you did, you became addicted. You were a workaholic who was using drugs who were addicted, but you still knew you had to work. You weren't stealing to feed your habit or gold bricking. I'm trying to say how, how some of my colleagues, I mean, where the, you know, they have no problem with the number one news talk station in the nation. Yeah, flexing. Yeah, I'm number one. You think you're going to stay number one by gold bricking, slacking, deadbeating, like being missing in action? No, you're not going to be number one. I'm telling you, I've been doing this 35 years. I've been number one. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'd have an operation. Uh, uh, people would come by, shoot me five times with a hollow-point bullet. So, you know, I'm off the air for a while, and I'm no longer number one. That's sort of extreme. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting anything like that should happen to people. You know, eight-and-a-half-hour operation for chronic Crohn's disease. I get it. You know, it takes a lot to knock me out of the box. What the hell are their excuses? I mean, look at that, Joe, right? He addicted to everything. His wife walked out on him, his kids. He had an awakening. But he was still working. Work, you got to work. Because if you don't work, what do you, you become a couch potato. You just exist. How many people do we know 
All of a sudden, they worked. They had their pension, Social Security. They couldn't wait. Like uh, a prisoner waiting for their parole hearing, they had the calendar, right? They were civil servants, and they just kept marking off the calendar. I'm retired. 65 and I'm retired. I got my pension. I got my Social Security. A month later, they're dead. Right? They're dead. You say, what? why? Life had to be a lot easier for some. Not all. I wonder, do they have a rehab for workaholics? You think that? Imagine, you have it now for sexaholics down there in Mississippi. What is that? Tiger Woods went there. Wade Boggs. I remember when Wade Boggs was on. Phil Donahue. Remember when he was the king of afternoon TV before Oprah? And Wade Boggs, who I hated when he was a Boston Red Sox, hated him when he became a Yankee. Because my belief is, if you've ever played for the Boston Red Sox, I hate you if you become a Yankee before or after. Sparky Lyle, Elston Howard, we're running right down the list. But there was Wade Boggs, he was up on the stage with Phil Donahue, and he said, yeah, I found myself outside of this gin mill outside of Tampa where I live in the offseason. I was in the back of this pickup truck, I had AstroTurf in the back, just like Bill Clinton had uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I was having sex and sex and sex, and I realized I was addicted. And he went to a sex rehab clinic down in Mississippi. You know who else has gone there other than Tiger Woods? Brett Favre. Maybe Coho Lips, Steven Tyler. You know, hey, you know what he has in common with me, uh, Broadway Bill Lee? March 26th. Yeah, both born on that day, March 26th. Like uh, Diana Ross. Other than that, we have nothing in common. This guy's a perv, a 16-year-old girl that he toured the country with. He had the parents sign over guardianship to him. It's like indentured servants, like an indentured slave. And now this woman is suing him so many years later. Yeah, take every nickel diamond. And where is he now? Drug rehab. I'll never forget uh, Sid Rosenberg in the morning who had his, his own problems with drugs and booze. He pointed out the time he was checking in to the drug rehab place, you know, up in the Catskills. The same one, remember, Chrissy from The Sopranos was checking into when all of a sudden Tony Soprano and Paulie Walnut had to give him a visit and an attitudinal readjustment because of his love of cocaine, and they put boots to the back of his head. Well, so uh, Sid described it, how he was checking in up in Pennsylvania, and who was checking out? Steven Tyler, Coho Lips. He's got an easy pass in it. It's degenerate. Oh, yeah, he went to uh, Roosevelt High School in Yonkers. You know what they kicked him out for? Smoking herb. Now he could be a horticulturist. He could uh, teach you not only how to separate the seeds and stems, but he could tell you about the different strains, the buds. Hey, he's going to go on to MIT or Carnegie Mellon. Maybe he can become a Bitcoin bandit, a cryptocurrency Ponzi scammer, or a blockchain criminal. Oh, the potential. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm a big You know, Broadway Billy, I just heard that promo for that podcast of the heckle and jekyll. I didn't understand how the damn thing they were saying. What were they, on speed? I don't believe in podcasts. I'm straight up with you. To me, it's a waste of time. I know we got podcasts here at WABC. Maybe if you want to catch a program that you missed. But it's like, yeah, you go, there's 52,000 podcasts right now, right now. 
I'll never forget. Uh, in the old WABC, we had this uh, Huckleberry uh, program director. And I said, well, what do you do at night? You know, when you go home, I listen to podcasts. Oh, you listen to podcasts, huh? I'm saying to myself, schmuck putz, you don't listen to your station, you're the program director. You listen to freaking podcasts. Where do you find time to listen to podcasts? And the rest of you out there, oh, while I'm working, yeah, but why can't you listen to live and local radio while you're working on the stream, on your worktop computer, your laptop, on an app? Freak those podcasts. They're edited. It's not live and local. You don't get callers, right? Well, where do you get callers on a podcast? I'll never forget. They told me this guy, all oh, the golden calf, the future of talk radio, Ben Shapiro, is going to replace me at drive time in the afternoon. I said, what are you talking about? Oh, well, we're going to run his podcast instead of you, Curtis. Really? A freaking podcast? You think that's, oh, that's the future of talk radio. But I understood, Broadway Billy, you're a veteran, Avery. He's, uh, he's a new jack. I said, this is the thing that we do. I mean, just suck it up. All these so-called suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're like Karnak the Magnificent. This is the future of talk radio. Not. Who's on the radio now, right? Curtis Lee. Ben Shapiro? You want to find him? Got to go to a podcast. Oh, my. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I got a podcast. You got to listen, Chris. Why do I have to listen? Oh, my podcast, you know, uh, 48 people listen. Wow. I'm impressed. Everybody walks around. It's like years ago, remember? Everybody said, oh, I do stand-up comedy. I go to open uh, mic, uh, open mic night. There was a comedy store like every block. Remember when, oh, everybody wanted to be, you got to go to open mic, man. You know, you you could do comedy. You know, you could be on Saturday Night Live. You could be the next Eddie Murphy. No, you, no, you won't. You could be the next Seinfeld. No, you won't. Now, you can't even find a comedy club. Caroline's gone. Try to find comedy clubs, right? This is what's going to happen to podcasts in the future. Something else is going to come along. Some new flavor. Oh, we all got to do this. And guess what? AM is still going to be alive. Five times in my lifetime, they predicted the death of AM radio, this thing of ours, which is so intimate, which communicates with you, which reaches right into your heart, mind, and soul. And it's not edited. You talk about improv? This is all improv. None of it's scripted. Although I will tell you, <laughs> at uh, Air America, remember the liberal uh, network that crashed and burned? I'll tell you why. A guy named Steve Green, who owns all the empty space in Times Square, brother of Mark Green, who was the most annoying person ever in politics, they ran that station right into the ground. And Rachel Maddow, oh, I'm a success on MSNBC. She used to read off a piece of paper and do talk radio. And who is her partner? Chuck D, a public enemy. Oh, anybody can do talk radio. Not. How many people in TV think they can do talk radio and they crash and burn? It's spontaneous. It's theater of the mind. It's a stream of consciousness. And those who repeat over and over. Joe Biden sucks. Donald Trump has fallen off his horse. And DeSanctimonious, a.k.a. DeSantis, will probably be the next president of the United States. <sighs> Lazy radio. 
Lazy Radio. They listen to the previous show, and they basically, it's like a parrot. They repeat it. No. Got to be new. Got to be fresh. Every day you show up, this is a blessing that I get to talk to all of you. Because I remember when I would be sitting in the park feeding the pigeons, talking to them, and they didn't talk back to me because they said, what? You're crazy. Well, what it would be like to have two Dixie cups uh, strung together with a little string, right, and you pretend you're talking to somebody like, hey, I'm a talk show host or hostess. How quickly you can crash and burn. How many that you used to listen to that you can't even find on the radio anymore? Because they didn't work it. Because they mailed it in. Because they lived on their past reputation. You want to be a good talk show host and hostess out there? I know there are a lot of you listening. You say, I can do this. Maybe you can. But every day you come before the microphone better be the better day than the day before. You mail it in. You'll have the uh, life of a titsy fly in talk radio. It's ephemeral. And by the way, if you come in herbed up, like, you know, Joe Rogan does, oh, man, look, I smoke blunts here. <laughs> oh, man, you're so cool, Joe Rogan. Wow, you smoke a Maybe you smoked a blunt when you made up sort of like a George Santos story. You know, a friend of mine, a teacher, she said uh, one of the students was a furry, and she had to put a litter box in the class for the furry. And, ever, oh, and Tulsi Gabbard was saying, she shut her mouth because she knew that was bull feathers, right? And then what did he say about a month later? Once, uh, And this is before he smoked a blunt because you got to be cool, you know. You got to say, look at that. Hey, Elon Musk here, smoke this blunt. I'm Joe Rogan. And his stock plummeted. Remember when he did that? Hey, you try to act cool, you try to act hip. People, after a while, they can tell you're not genuine. They can tell it's not the real deal. But this thing of ours, we got to embrace it. It's theater of the mind. It's entertainment, first and foremost. Enough of the politics. We're into the weekend. As John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis had said, you want to talk politics? Hey, Monday through Friday, knock yourself out. You get into the weekend. It's entertainment, music, theater of the mind, and a million and one belly laughs right before the ball comes down. And who will be announcing it? Not Cousin Brucie, not Tony Orlando. But I stepped up and said, I'll do it. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Give this one two snaps up in a circle. I love you. I so hated and despised all those years. 
that I was forced to sit on the Castro convertible with my three sons as they were growing up. Anthony, who's now 18, Carter, who's 13, Hunter, who's 11, and watch freaking Barney, that purple dinosaur. If I had a 44 Magnum, I would have blown that TV away like Elvis used to, remember, in the mansion in Memphis. He used to shoot the TV when he hated something, and then he'd tell Red, who was the uh, head of his uh, Memphis mafia, go get me a new TV. Except I'm not in a shake that I could just say, hey, go get me a new TV. But I would have shot that. Hey, oh, it would have been traumatic for the boys. Didn't matter. I hated Barney with a passion. Now, if you would have said to me, Curtis, instead of watching Barney for four, five, six straight hours, because the kids are like singing it. Can I hear that Barney song again? They would sing along with it. Now, I couldn't tell them to shut up. Anthony, shut up. Carter, shut up. Hunter, shut up. Couldn't say that. I had to keep my mouth shut, even though I want to shoot that Barney. Shut up! I couldn't say it. I had to grit my teeth. But just imagine somebody had come knocking on the door. Hey, uh, what can I do for you? Oh, Curtis, uh, there's a drag queen reading hour down the block at the library. I'm, I'm there with the kids. I'm there. Anything to escape party, right? Anything. I have never seen such craziness about any event in my 68 years, I'll soon be 69. I'm looking at these, and what, what is the correct term, uh, library or library? I know I always said library, right? It was a library. That's the first question I ask all of you out there, ladies and gentlemen. What is the correct pronunciation? I You say library. I'm going to the library. And other people say library, like why, you lie, and, and then it's a berry? I, I don't understand. It's a library. It was always a library to me. And, in fact, you better get those books back in the night deposit drop box before the next day because the old blue-haired matron at the local library right there on uh, Rockaway Parkway and Avenue K, you didn't get that book back in the nighttime book depository they came looking for you, and they didn't have a search warrant. No, they're kicking your door. Where are our books? And then if eventually you brought the book back, they would fine you. I mean, you talk about fines now. Oh, man. Or you'd be banned. Give me your library card. You're not leaving here. We're going to strip you. Talk about stopping frisk, stopping the blue-haired matron. We're stopping and frisking you for your library card. We are removing the privilege that you have to actually take out books at your public library. And now all of a sudden, it's like every freaking week, there's a drag queen reading hour at some public library, or maybe you call it library. And I'm looking at demonstrators screaming curses, like, the little kids are going through, you know, with their moms or dads or guardians or whatever. That's their choice, right? Their parents, right? We want parents to to be the shot callers, right? We don't want government. We want parents. And they're running through a phalanx the other day on both sides. This Antifa, this AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 
And then on the other side, the Uber Trumpers, they want to go to war. You know, it's like Bloods and Crips. It's like it's like uh, the recreation of the Civil War. You know, blue coats and gray coats at Freedom Land. They used to do that every day, recreate that. What the hell is going on? Why is everybody getting so bent out of shape? Because they get an opportunity to go back to war. You know, normally it would be over Trump, right? Now, because Trump is like, eh, he's not what he used to be. So now you got to find another reason to fight. So you're fighting over drag queen reading hour. And I'm saying to myself, what the hell are these little kids thinking? Forget about looking at a drag queen. They can see enough men on TV dressed in dresses. Oh, my God. Like how many programs you turn on is a guy sitting there in a dress, and they made a career of it. Need I go through it? Miltonboro, when we were growing up, every week the number one rated TV program, Uncle Milty, in drag, on a float, Thanksgiving Day Parade at Macy's, Uncle Milty Burl in a dress. Oh, no, but that was different. How's that different? Flip Wilson, right? Every week in a dress. You want a white drag queen? You want a black drag queen? There it was, TV. Very successful show, I might add. Tyler Perry, right, a billionaire in Atlanta. Most of his movies, what was he wearing? A freaking dress and a wig and falsies. Eddie Murphy, a freaking wig and a dress and falsies. And you spent all that money to go. And don't tell me you didn't take kids or your grandchildren, right? No, no. I didn't want them to see that. that, We've lost our freaking minds. We're going to go to war over a drag queen doing a reading hour at a local public, and I still haven't figured out, is that a library or a library? And all of a sudden, you got cops out there, you got barricades, people screaming invectives at one another, and I'm saying to myself, if you didn't pay so much attention to this, it would not be significant. But now that you've decided to go to war both sides, there's going to be more of it, not less of it. What do you think, you can ban it? How do you ban that? Well, we're banning drag queens from reading to kids that parents are coming with the kids to listen to. How do you do that? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Can I hear some of these uh, responses here? Some of our on our own uh, WABC uh, talk show uh, programs, some of it out in the streets, um, Let's hear this uh, anti-drag queen uh, story hour. I just don't want somebody who is a transgender teaching our kids about about whatever they're talking about. Excuse me. Uh, I remember a transgender at PS114 teaching us. We didn't know it was a transgender. We kind of knew. Like, hmm. Uh, hey, Lee Rosen is... Is that a male teacher who's dressed like a woman? Well, what do you think? I can't say anything because maybe we're wrong, right? Oh, that's never. Can I hear that guy again? I just don't want somebody who is a transgender teaching our kids about about whatever they're talking about. Whatever they talk. How about go and listen to whatever they're talking about, right? Maybe if you listen to whatever they're talking about, you might come to a different conclusion. You might still have you saying, how do you know what they're talking about if you... Not going to go in, shut your mouth, and just listen. 
Right? How the hell do you know? Everybody knows. Everybody. Ah, the other side. Antifa AOC. Oh, all children. 24-7 we should have. uh, We should have drag queens uh, in every class, right? And then the other side. Kill the drag queens. Well, what the hell are you talking about? My very dear friend, Vicky Palladino, I think she was on with uh, Rudy Giuliani the other day. They seem to have chosen Drag Queen Story Hour as the the highlight of their week this week, uh, rather than focus what uh, on serious issues like introducing legislation that actually will work to get the city back on its feet. And uh, because I put out a simple statement about Drag Queen Story Hour and how I don't agree with it uh, coming to our public schools and especially being funded by our tax dollars. All right. I can appreciate that. I disagree with uh, Vicky Palladino, but uh, she makes this is not the most serious issue that our city has to deal with. Right? I mean, that's fair. Then I think uh, Greg Kelly had on a drag queen. How would, how would Greg Kelly know on radio that, in fact, it was a drag queen? Or maybe I, I misheard it. Honestly, you're not doing the gay community any favors. In fact, you're hurting us, okay? We have already had a reputation of being pedophiles and being perverts and deviants. We don't need you to bring your children around. So you keep your kids at home or take them to Disneyland or take them to Chuck E. Cheese. But if you need your child to be entertained by a big human in a costume or in makeup, take them to the circus or something. When they turn 18... Then why don't you take them to the clubs on their 18th birthday? Because it's an adult thing, okay? So don't ruin your child's life, and don't ruin us, because that's what you're doing. I've been ruined. I must confess, Billy, I will be 69. Never since I saw Milton Berle in that dress every week in the top-rated TV show. I always was hoping that my my mother, Francesca, would stay out a little longer so I could go into her room and try on a dress. I really, uh, you know, I must confess, it really affected me. I put down my baseball mitt. I didn't fight any longer out in the street. I said, I want to be just like Uncle Milty. How dare you? I want to wear a dress. How dare you? I want to be a drag queen. How dare you? Oh, and uh, Bill Lee, uh, you grew up, right? Um, and uh, let's see. Who are, you, who are you watching at that? Oh, that's right, Flip Wilson, right? Every week, right? He would wear a dress on national TV. Had a very successful variety show. Did that mean that uh, you, Bill Lee, you wanted to put on a dress? You wanted to go to Lowman's and... Sort of go into the dressing room and try out, you know, a dress. Uh, Bill, come on. Watch it, sucker. Come on. Bill, come on. Uh, Flip Wilson, come on. Avery, you're the young whippersnapper here. When Tyler Perry would all of a sudden do his very famous movies dressed in drag, right? He, he Drag queen? Could we, could we say he was dressed like a drag queen? Tyler a Perry. new and improved around the world and back snap. Am I to assume that Avery... That very successful movie franchise that has made him a billionaire in Atlanta. That somehow you were inspired that when your mom was away, you know, religious as you are, you know, you're a church boy. We understand that. Said, let me see if I could do a Tyler Perry, huh? 
<laughs> These people have lost their minds. When you saw Sliced Stallone in that movie in a dress, did you think like, uh-oh, I can be macho and wear a dress too. Wesley Snipes, right? Right? We have lost our collective minds. So let me get this straight. A drag queen is talking to the kids for an hour in a local public library, which you can listen to, right, as long as you're civil. You're not disrupting. And the children are, are looking at that drag queen and say, you know, this is what I want to be in life, a drag queen. Uh, when I saw my hero, Rudy Giuliani, my kumbada cheech, dressed in drag twice, remember, on Saturday Night Live, Trump kissed him. And when he was in the inner circle, uh, the yearly review that reporters give of the mayor, who was mayor at that time, and then he does the response, in drag. Did I somehow say, you know, I want to be just like Rudy? Well, I did when I ran for mayor. I say, hey, I'll be Rudy Light, right? I wasn't going to wear a freaking dress. I can assure you uh, that if they asked me on Saturday night, like, I would not wear a dress, and I would not wear a dress in inner circle. Not my thing. But my inspiration, who do you want to be like as mayor? Rudy Giuliani, right? In the debate, what did I say? If you had to um, mold yourself after any previous mayor, and we remember what Eric Adams said. He said David Dinkins, and we see he wears $5,000 suits. Uh, David Dinkins did. And they asked me, and I said Rudy Giuliani. But I should have added an addendum. I should have said Bill Lee, but not when he wore those dresses those two times. Nope. People, you have lost your freaking minds. You can act like a man. What's the matter with you? I'm looking at this the other day, and I'm saying to myself, you know what this reminds me of? When I was in Canarsie, Canarsie, and it was forced integration, Ocean Hill, Brownsville. At the time, the assemblyman in uh, Brownsville, his name was Sam. I'm trying to remember his last name. And along with Roy Ennis, a Brooklyn Corps, yeah, Roy Ennis, uh, they were leading an effort to get rid of all the Jewish teachers in the black community, and they wanted to teach the kids Swahili first and English second with black teachers. Uh, and then there was forced integration in which they wanted to put all the black kids uh, on a bus from Brownsville, have them come to Canarsie. The Jews had left Brownsville, and blacks had filled the void. So a lot of the Jews who sent their kids to public school said, well, why would I want to send my Jewish kids back to Brownsville as buses would go back and forth? And likewise, Italians to East New York as they were busing in kids. And I will never forget, Bill Ling, my father, Merchant Seaman, calls me ship to shore radio because they were boycotting the schools at that time. The white parents were outside, uh, Italians and Jews together, screaming their lungs out, dropping the end bomb on these kids as they were running the gauntlet. And they're all in the cafeteria. They're shaking. And then I had this socialist teacher there who was singing uh, Joe Hill, and he was crying. And I said, what the hell am I doing here? My Supreme Cousins are outside saying I'm an end lover. My father made me come every day. And then I'd have to walk the gauntlet on the way back. I said, And they would say, your father must not love you. Your father must hate you. This is what it's like as a kid now going to... Uh, Drag queen reading hour at your local, is it library or library? Where on both sides you look, oh, there's Trumpers. 
All this AOC and Antifa. It's like they have Gatling guns of the F-bomb aimed at one another, and the kids are like, what the hell is causing? And the kid comes out of the drag queen reading now and said, eh, it wasn't too bad. I'm not going to go home and uh, go through my mommy's lingerie. Well, maybe if they girl, well, 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 hold on. Let me amend that. Maybe nowadays they do. Because there's one of 72, 72 different sexual identifications, gender identifications. Maybe they're non-binary one day, asexual the next day, polyamorous the next day. Because they are whatever they want to be, Bill Lee, on any given moment, of any given hour, of any given day, of any given week, of any given year. And we must respect that. Even though yesterday they told us they were asexual, I will never have sex again. Okay. The next day I'm having sex with everybody. I'm polyamorous. Okay. I got to accept that. Maybe you're a freaking screwball, but no, no, no. It's your choice. Does that all come out of sitting there in a drag queen reading hour at your local library or library? And by the way, I would have preferred to do that with my son. Now watch freaking Barney for six straight hours. Do you like dancing with little children? You don't think that's disgusting? Dancing around for little children? Don't you think that's disgusting? Then look at you. You dance in front of little children. You dance in front of little children. And then, of course, it was Greg Kelly calling in a complaint to the Dallas Police Department. North Texas Crime Commission is not available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Press the pound key to end recording. It seemed like it was incredibly inappropriate, border, uh, probably criminal. Sure, somebody's breaking the law. You guys need to find this video. You can, uh, you can call me. My number is uh, and I'll help you find it online. And somebody's got to do something about this. Thank you again. My name is Greg Kelly. You can call me at. He's calling from New York, the Dallas Police Department. He's lost his mind. And then Antifa, right? Antifa, I remember I was battling them in the summer of uh, 2020. Uh, Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions, battling them with the guardian angels in Midtown and Soho. uh, When Bill de Blasio told the cops to retreat, stand back. So I hate these people. But they were out there. They have a right to protest because they were on the other side. And what did they have to say? Kind of weak, right? Not like they were in the summer of 2020. I guess they need a cause again. (laughs) You can't loot the library or bury, is it? It's like, what are you going to do? Loot the library or library? I have one thing to say. You better work. So let me get this straight. You're in your house. 
You got RuPaul on the TV, drag race, right? All these men dressing up like women, they're drag queens. Uh, do we ban that? Do we ban RuPaul and drag race? Uh, what What do you think, uh, uh, Alter Boy there, uh, Avery, uh, you know. This one, two snaps up in a circle. You got to go to church uh, on Sunday, you know. Do we ban RuPaul? Because I know, I've been in black churches, man. I looked at some of those. Uh, this one, two snaps up in a circle. I looked at some of those folks in choir. Looked to me like they could be transgender, some of the best singers, right? Am I right or wrong? I saw that R. Kelly urban opera. I loved it, although he's a pedophile and a pedestal. I've been in plenty of black churches. Hallelujah. Amen. Boy, that looks like a transgender to me, the choral leader. The yet unheard of Zorro snap in Z formation. Got to be in church, though. Do we suddenly snatch out the choral director who's a transgender because it may affect the young black kids? Who would say hallelujah, amen. We have lost our freaking minds. This is the biggest issue in the world now. Drag queen reading hour at a local, is it library, library or library? I used to just go there. Could I see the microfilm, please, right? Shh. We're taking the back room microfilm, right? It wasn't a stag party. It was microfilm. Oh, God. Used to go to the library to escape the bullies, right? Hang out in the library all day with the, you know, everybody else reading, right? Because that's the one place the bullies would never come into the library. It's like all of a sudden, you know, it's like Dracula seeing a cross. If a bully walked into a library, or library, whatever, and it's, oh, I can't be in here. I may actually get something called education. Let me go outside and bully the kids on their way into the library or library. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Everything seems lovely when you start to roam. The birds are singing the day that you stray. But wait until you are further away. Things won't be so lovely when you're all alone. Here's what you'll keep saying when you're far from home. Mommy. Uh, here's uh, Frank Morano's uh, favorite song, The Mama Luke That He Is. Although, uh, as you know, um, when you sing uh, Mammy as it was uh, originally sung uh, in this capacity, it was in blackface. So now, all right, you want to get rid of the blackface, but you don't want to get rid of the song, right? But then again, there are some people who say, no, you got to get rid of the whole thing because it was done in blackface. Uh, I don't know about that. That'll make Frank Morano cry. That's his theme song, right? Mommy. 
By the way, you know, uh, Broadway Billy, he is the president uh, of the Al Jolson fan club. You know that? Oh, yeah. Uh, he is the oldest young person I have ever met. The president of the Al Jolson fan club. Let's go to Remy, who's calling from the uh, Upper East Side. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Remy. Hey, Curtis. Good morning. Good morning, Remy. Curtis, uh, I remember listening to you quite a, quite a bit on the Howard Stern show when you were with Lisa, I suppose. That was back in the 90s, I yeah. guess, 80s? Oh, yeah. And what is your relationship with Howard these days? Uh, well, I haven't had any contact with him uh, up until the uh, lockdown and pandemic. I went to an event uh, for the North Shore Animal League that he and his wife were big supporters of uh, with my wife and went there. Uh, but that was the last time I saw him. But then again, remember, we speak of blackface. Uh, he got uh, he got caught, uh, not caught because he had done this before, but using his uh, uh, bully pulpit, he was dropping the N-bomb fast and furiously, if you remember, in one of his old bits. Uh, even Robin, his sidekick, said, hey, Howard, knock it off, and he kept saying it. And then I noticed in order to survive that, because that was in the summer of 2020, uh, Floyd was killed by the Minneapolis police, and then all of a sudden he became this uh, Democrat, this uh, liberal progressive. He, he gave up being a libertarian because naturally he was thought of as being very close to Donald Trump. So I think he did that to survive. He's not the same Howard Stern uh, that I remember. Yeah, he lost his edge. I remember when he actually when he started in Briarcliff Manor in Westchester, because I'm from Osman, and uh, as a disc jockey, he was just spinning records, I guess, back then. But when he first started, I guess it was with NBC in New York. I mean, he was he was just amazing. I mean, I don't think I ever laughed harder. Well, the great thing he, was, the great thing was you had Imus on in the morning uh, slamming Howard Stern in the afternoon and his crew. And then Howard would come on and slam Imus in the morning. And that was genuine. That was not uh, theater of the mind. That was not fake. That was real. And, yeah, he was a tremendous talent, as was Imus at that time. Different taste. It's like, you know, having white wine versus red wine. But they were both great in their own way. Uh, he had come from Washington, D.C. originally, where he had perfected that, I think, with Robin Quivers at that time. Really had it together. Uh, then decided, look, uh, I want to be able to drop the F-bomb a mile a minute. So he left commercial radio. Has done quite well with Sirius but, again, he has no work ethic, uh, Remy. He does, what, three days a week, then there's best of, which Johnny, is... The old Johnny, remember Johnny Carson? He would yeah. show up once a week. Yeah. It's like, hey, <laughs> guy, what, what is this? Well, who do you think you are? This thing of ours gets destroyed by these people who become very successful, and then they want to mail it in. They don't want to work hard anymore. Well, when you're worth, what's he make? I think it's $100 million or something ridiculous I read. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a crazy contract. Well, he makes serious. he makes uh, serious a lot of money, so, uh, you know, that that's, that's his compensation. But I tell you, man, it's not the same Howard Stern, man. That guy no. couldn't wait to get in the studio five days a week. And, in fact, remember, he would be on, I'm forgetting the call letters of the FM station, and they would keep telling him, the program director, Howard, it's 1030, you're off. And remember, he and his uh, crew would just keep talking right into the Absolutely. eleven o'clock, right? Well, just like just like you do. I mean, you, you, you I mean, you're amazing. What you do, you're still you're just a gifted storyteller. 
absolute gifted storyteller. Right, but he he didn't want to he didn't want to go home. He wanted to stay on the radio. They had to basically tell they had to close his microphone. Robin and his crew, uh, uh, his uh, producer, uh, and all that. And but now that's not it, man. Now it's like, hey, I give you three programs a week. Be satisfied. And I uh, spin it as best of. Imagine best of within the same week. I can't have best well, you know, of in the same week. His, quite, quite frankly, <clears throat> quite frankly, Curtis, he lost his edge quite a while ago. I mean, even before this COVID nonsense and whatever he's into now, whether he's going left or right or in the middle, wherever the hell he is, where, where, whichever the wind blows, wherever, you know, the wind blows, that kind of thing. Not, not, not uh, he's just not himself, I don't think. And you're right, he is, he is, uh, I guess he wants to be uh, what invited to the so-called uh, dinner parties and social and social gatherings. I suppose. Well, no, he you see he doesn't go to dinner parties and social gatherings. He's a recluse. Uh, he does not go out. He's a, he hibernates. But this is the thing. I think he got frightened when they brought back the end bomb routines that he had done, and he thought that in the summer of uh, of uh, Floyd. That he would he would end up losing his entire career, and that could have happened. But I would, uh, to be honest with you, I would not have done that. I would not have all of a sudden shifted direction and been a totally different person than I had been before. I wouldn't have used the n bomb to begin with. But he wanted to say, "I'll say anything, anytime I want." You know, this is serious. That's why I left commercial radio. Well, guess what? (laughs) You can't say anything that you want. You've always been authentic, and you've and that's part of that's who you are, and and I think that's why people, you know, people love you. I mean, because you're authentic and and you're you've got integrity, and and that and it shows. It comes through on the radio, and uh, that's what it is. Now let me ask you a question, thing- uh, Remy. Uh, did they ever call you Remy Ma? No, Remy. My mother Remington, of course. Now the reason <laughs> I, I ask that is that the swagger man would. No plan. Tomorrow before the ball drops, Eric Adams is going to be with the uh, Rapettes, Remy Ma and Papoose. You must, be, you must be joking. No, I'm not, man. This guy is the hip-hop man. This, this is his whole world now. I'm the hip-hop man, man. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> this is his routine. He, he with The most important event all year long, the dropping of the ball in Times Square, uh, which welcomes in the new year for so many. Uh, every mayor gets to get FaceTime there because, you know, the whole world is watching, whether they're a good mayor or a bad mayor. And he's going to be the f- the first mayor to appear with Remy Ma and Papoose, and he's going to make an announcement about the Universal Hip Hop Museum on New Year's, oh, on the bringing in of New Year's. It's like, are you mad? Have you lost your mind? Nice. Uh, I mean, I voted for you. I mean, I, I, I did my best. I was out there. My, but of course, my neighborhood's, uh, you know, on the other side of the fence, as you know, Upper East Side. Come on. But you know, the the interesting thing is, the Upper East uh, Upper East Side used to be Republican, but so many Republicans have fled. Either they went in out to the town, Yorkville. You're right about that. You're, but but uh, not so much. No, anymore. no, no. I looked at it this year. Uh, when I ran and all of Manhattan was blue, the only little section I won in Manhattan was Chinatown because I was That's the first. Well, okay, I, I can understand that. I can actually understand that. 
Yeah, it was the first Republican ever to run for mayor who won the Chinese and Asian vote. And obviously, you see that Congressman uh, uh, Zeldin did very well with the uh, Republican and Asian vote against Hochul. Hopefully, a lot of Republican uh, uh, Asians and uh, Chinese will remain that way or they'll remain free agents. They won't be in anybody's back pocket. Uh, So that was my contribution in the mayoral race. But Manhattan is now the most solid blue borough of the five. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ocean blue. And, and, and the other thing with regard to what you guys do, I was always a big, big fan. Remember Bob Grant? The king of talk radio. I love that guy. He started. I think he started. Uh, that's when I really started to listen. And that guy would have my attention for hours and much like you. Much well, like well, you. Well, that he was my mentor and I learned a lot from Bob. But to their credit. When you ask Sean Hannity, you ask Howard Stern, you ask Bill O'Reilly, all of them from Long Island, they will tell you their inspiration. You would listen to Bob Grant religiously. Uh, Mark Levin, who lived outside of Philadelphia, will tell you he listened to Bob Grant religiously. I did. And you can hear, especially with uh, Mark Levin and me, a lot of Bob Grant uh, because, hey, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. All you got to do, you, you, you just hope you can be half as good as Bob Grant and you'll have a career in talk radio. Hey, listen, Ryan of Glendale, I tell you what, sometime I want you to show up when I'm making a public appearance. I want you to identify yourself. I don't step into I want, I want you to identify yourself so that I can punch your stupid nose down your dumb throat. I'll step on you, you old man. You'll step on me, yeah. huh? Get off my phone. Classic Bob Grant, Remy. Oh, and by the way, and you probably know this, Curtis, because we're the same age. You, you know John Sterling of the Yankees, right? Yeah. You know that he started this whole, you know, they talk about the fan, WFA. I think you. I think it started in 87, I believe, with Susan Wallman and, and, and people like that. But he, he actually had a show after, I'm a big Yankees fan. He had a, he had a, he would actually come on. This was back in the 70s. And have his own talk, uh, sports talk show, and yell. He would yell at the at the caller. It was fantastic. Yeah. No, no, that was at the old WMC. The Yankees win. The old WMCA. He had sports talk at night, and a kid, a kid would call up Remy and say. What do you think we we we, we trade the Joe Pepitone for? And he, he give him a choice. He like you stupid little kid. The Yankees aren't going to trade Joe Pepitone because he was imitating Bob Grant. Remy, he was doing sports right. talk Bob Grant style. Absolutely, and and people loved that. They couldn't get enough of that. And then, you know, he became the Yankee announcer, and then all of a sudden. All rise. Then all of a sudden he had to be milk toast uh, because, yeah. you know, it was a brand. But I tell you, I used to do, um, when the Yankees played the Atlanta Braves and finally uh, got back uh, into the World Series and won the World Series, coming back against all odds. They were down two games after getting crushed in games one and yeah. two uh, in Yankee Stadium. Uh, you had uh, uh, Andrew Jones and uh, the other Jonesy boy there at third base, they were crushing us. A clipper, a clipper. Right, clipper. right. The, 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 the guy that the Met fans hate because he was the Met killer. And so I would come on after John Sterling would do the post-game show. I did the post-post-post-game show. And that guy wouldn't shut up. I would say in between, he would go to break. I'd say, John, enough already. 
Get the hell off the microphone. He wouldn't leave the microphone. And then I did. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Hey, go smoke your marijuana there, Sterling. God, I hated that guy. Just just terrific. But the other guy I I used to enjoy listening to as well. Remember Art Rush Jr.? Yeah. Oh, I got a few about you. Art Rush Jr. So he was at WABC at night. Phil's had a column. Yeah, 7 o'clock at night. He was a big New York Giants slash San Francisco Giants fan, Willie Mays fan. His yeah, I'm, phone... a Mickey. I'm a Mickey Mantle fan. Don't, don't get me into that. Right, but he had his phone screen. It was Steve Molesberg, who eventually became a great talk yeah. show host in his own right, sports and politics. And so Art was a degenerate gambler. So let's say, Remy, oh. you were calling up and, you know, you were asking Art – uh, about baseball, and and then he would tell he would tell Steve, hold Remy over to the break. And so while the commercials were running, he'd get on with you. Hey, Remy, I, I really liked your question. Wow, you're really good, and you were all puffed up. He said, "Could you do me a, a solid, Remy? I'm a little short this uh, week. You think you could spot me two hundred dollars?" So naturally, you're like all excited. Yeah, you, you can come down to the station, meet me here. If you could give me the two hundred, like you know, like Wimpy with the uh, hamburger. If you could give me two hundred this week, I'll give you two hundred back next week. So you're coming down. You get a chance to meet Art Rush Jr. Uh, you give him two hundred dollars, and then all of a sudden, it's one week, two weeks, three weeks, and now you're calling Steve Molesberg, right? And poor Steve, he's having to do a, be an air traffic controller, all these people that Art uh, owes money to. And so now you're starting to change your voice. You're doing imitations. And you finally get through as a Fred instead of Remy. He say, hey, Art, you remember me? He said, no, no, who are you? <laughs> I'm Remy. I spotted you 200. Remember, you were going to pay me back. Oh, uh, 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 and they go to break. And then... God bless him. He'd go out the back door. There's a way you can sneak out of Madison Square Garden where you're not going to be spotted. There would be people waiting outside. Like, I want my money. Curtis, when you see Art Rush Jr., you tell him, I want my freaking money. (laughs) The guy guy would be borrowing money from the listeners. You know, he was a boxing aficionado. You know that. He was a big, big Ali fan. Huge. Yeah, I mean, no, no. he, He knew his sports. But, oh, my God, he would come in every day with the racing form. That's how I knew he was a degenerate gambler. Every day with the racing form. He loved the ponies. He just, and he must have, he kept the bookies busy. Because uh, half the people waiting outside for him were the bookies. The other half were the people he borrowed money from and never paid him back. Oh, man. But anyway, Remy, uh, that's the way it is, you see. You learn things. As my mother Francesca said, Curtis, never say bad things about the dead. You know, just don't say anything. Mom, I'm looking at you high in the sky. This is not your son. You know how your son is from the day you birthed me. I've been bad-mouthing people. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Sliwa on 77 WABC. Big 
I wonder what would happen to Frankie Valley, who created the Jersey uh, Boys, the musical that's gone all over the country. If in order to sort of, you know how they call it, freshen it up, they had four drag queens instead of the Jersey Boys, you know, in their 1960 uh, suits. What do you think? You think they would attract a crowd? You never know, right? <laughs> now, now, notice the guy singing Silly Boy. That could be a drag queen, right? Anyway, uh, speaking about reading at, and nobody has corrected me yet, uh, whether it's library or library. But after Kurt Cameron claimed a record crowd Thursday to hear him read his new Christian-themed children's book at the Indianapolis Public Library, everybody wants to read now in libraries, which is good, right? Reading is good. We want to encourage people to read. But it turns out, uh, Avery, that um, actor Kirk Cameron did a little Donald Trump. Remember when Donald Trump was sworn in 2016, 20, uh, 2016, right? He was sworn in. Uh, 2017, he was sworn in. Remember he claimed he had a bigger crowd at his inauguration than Barack Obama had? Please, Donald, don't insult me. No, no. Uh, remember he had uh, Spitzer out there. No, uh, you see, it was a bigger crowd than Barack Obama had. What are you talking about? No, it wasn't. So anyway, apparently uh, Cameron who had a big crowd. There's no doubt about it. He had about 800 people, but not 2,500. Now, do we call that a lie? Do we call that an embellishment? Do we call that a, a white lie, a fib, as opposed to a black lie? What is a black lie? I have no idea. But it was a big crowd. And I guess this is um, the uh, antidote to the drag queen reading hour in a library or library. What was he? Uh, he was the actor from Growing Pains, right? Now he's a big holy roller. I don't care. If you can get kids to read, isn't that great? Look, we're in New York City where most kids in the public schools don't read at grade level. They don't read, period. So whether you're getting a holy roller like this guy in Cameron to read his new uh, children's book series, or you have a drag queen reading out. Now, just imagine, just imagine, uh, let me ask you this, uh, Avery. If you had Tyler Perry, who said he was going to dress in drag, you know, based on how he acts in some of his movies, and he was going to read... Uh, as a drag queen reading hour. Would people object to that? Would people object to if uh, Eddie Murphy did it, dressed in drag as he's been, or uh, Stallone, who's dressed in drag for a movie, or Wesley Snipes, or I could go through a whole laundry list. Uh, what was that? Uh, oh, movie. Oh, Tootsie. Remember Tootsie? I, uh, dressed in drag, right, though? I mean, we could go through a whole laundry list. Ladies and gentlemen, take a chill pill. You want reading in libraries, libraries, whatever. It's like more more reading is good. We don't want to ban books. 
We don't want to stop uh, people from having discussions. We don't want to say, no, it's our library, not their library. No, it's everybody's library. It's everybody's. Just relax. Think of all the people listening right now who used to escape to the library where you had time alone, quiet space. Some of you came from dysfunctional families where there was screaming and yelling at home or you had too many siblings and you just slunk off to the library or you wanted to avoid the bullies out there in the street because you were, you were in a pretty tough neighborhood. Now all of a sudden I know uh, well, they want to ban books, they want to defund libraries, they're threatening bomb threats because they don't like what's happening in libraries. Knock it off. Knock it off. Do you like dancing for little children? You don't think that's disgusting? Dancing around for little children? Don't you think that's disgusting? You dance in front of little children. You dance in front of little children. God. Remember going to uh, your school library the first time with the class? Remember you walk into that uh, school library? I was in awe of that space. It's like a rectangle room lined with wooden bookshelves stacked floor to ceiling with books. And you could actually take them home and borrow the book. You had to bring the book back because you had to come back to school. (laughs) Unlike the blue-haired matrons uh, at the public library, library, whatever. Boy, and you read those books and you could, it's like you are traveling the globe. Each volume created ideas that you had never been exposed to in a lot of your homes. And you wondered how you could get all those ideas from all those books in your mind. And let's face it, you were reading about things oftentimes in the library or library you would never be permitted to read about in your home because they wanted to restrict you. Library is a great place. Not like I spent a lot of time in the library, but... Quite frankly, I would have spent more time, and I should have spent more time. And the kids who spent a lot of time did really well, and in many instances stayed out of trouble. Because running the streets, in the, for the most part, is going to get you nothing but double trouble. But now, whether you're going for a holy roller, Cameron doing a book reading in a library, or a drag queen reading hour, it's going to be demonstrations outside. Knock it off. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. Remember this uh, song? Ah, uh, yeah. Aerosmith. And who sang it?
that dude looks like a lady. That's Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Actually, local yokel guy from Yonkers went to Roosevelt High School, and then they kicked him out for what? Smoking marijuana. Me, I got kicked out of Brooklyn Prep. The Jesuits shine their boots on my backside, 1972, to the curb on Nostrand Avenue in Crown Heights for organizing against the dress code policy since I was uh, student government president. We took a plebiscite. Students voted not to wear jackets and ties, which was the tradition. And the Jesuits, uh, the headmaster, Father Alexander, and the prefect of discipline said, guess what? Out you go. That's part of the tradition. And boy, there were consequences for your actions, and I sure learned it the hard way. But it was one of the best things that ever happened to me now. I don't know if uh, that was a positive thing that Steven Tyler got kicked out of Roosevelt High School. No, not on Fordham Road in the Bronx. That was a drugstore. Roosevelt High School up in North Yonkers. He got kicked out. And as you know, he has been in and out of uh, drug rehab, alcohol rehab. And uh, uh, stop it. I never liked Arrow Smith to begin with. Co-lip Steven Tyler. I remember seeing him in Central Park. He was on roller skates. He came up to me. Hey, we have something in common. I said, what's that? Hey, we were birthed on the same day, March 26th. And I told him, uh, so was Diana Ross, huh? I was never, never an Aerosmith fan. Ah, I don't care. Run DMC, Aerosmith, walk this way. No, nah, no, nah, sorry. Sorry. But the reason I mention Steven Tyler is he's accused of sexual assault of a minor in a new lawsuit over a decades, decades old claim, which is true. Uh, he had convinced uh, a mom and dad in Oregon that he should be uh, given guardianship of a 16-year-old girl that he took on tour, uh, that he was hanging from the chandeliers, feeding drugs, and having all kinds of weird, freaky-deaky sex with. And now, it's come back to haunt him. Although he's in drug and alcohol rehab again. By the way, Sid Rosenberg tells a great story. He was, he was just getting out of drug and alcohol rehab himself in Pennsylvania, and guess who was checking in back then? Steven Tyler, Coho Lips. But the reason I mention this is dude looks like a lady or a lady looks like a dude, right? And I, there was a story the other morning when I was substituting uh, for Sid Rosenberg with John Katsimatidis, who, by the way, did not take the week off. Guy owns his station, is a billionaire, has so many other business entities. He was not only doing the morning show with me from 6 to 10, he was also doing his 5 o'clock uh, roundtable discussion, and he'll be doing his Sunday show in the morning from 8 to 10 that always has newsmakers on. But I digress. Noam Layden, our news director, was doing a story, and let me read it to you. It said, New U- NYPD cops say a home invasion turned deadly in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, early this morning. Two men broke into a home on 17th Avenue and stabbed three people. A 61-year-old man who lived in the house has died from his injuries. Two 19-year-old women who were also stabbed are in the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Police have made no arrests. So immediately, uh, Noam said to me, what do you think? I said, 17th Avenue, there's a lot of Chinese-Americans in that area now. They're buying up houses. I'm going to assume that as we approach the Lunar New Year, and January is the month, 
that it might have been a Chinese family that had a lot of ornaments, a lot of gold, a lot of jewelry, or a lot of cash in the house. People knew that, and they did a home invasion. That was my guess. I could not have been more hopelessly wrong. It turned out, and this is what was weird, that a 22-year-old trans daughter was charged with killing her father inside the family's Brooklyn apartment and then ended up stabbing her sister over and over. Luckily, she survived. And then I looked at the perp walk at the nearby, I think it's the 62nd Precinct there in Bensonhurst. I think that's what, Bath Avenue? Uh, If I'm wrong, uh, I hope uh, to be corrected. So the apartment they lived in, they shared, was at 17th Avenue and 82nd Street, I think above a plumbing store of some type. And so I made the assumption that it was a Chinese family. I was wrong. Obviously, Italians, Italian-Americans. A lot of Italian-Americans still down in that area. But when all of a sudden there was the perp walk out of, uh, as I said, I believe it was the 62nd uh, Precinct there on Bath Avenue. All of a sudden it's like uh, this trans was on a runway walk. With the cops, she didn't answer any of the questions of the paparazzi or the press. And, oh, boy, this story got deep. Her name, Nikki Segandino, I think that's the correct pronunciation, was hit with a murder charge and other offenses after police initially believed that her dad, Carlos Segandino, was stabbed to death during that early morning home invasion. And they're benching to her home. So I said to myself, man, I got to do a deep dive on this. I really got to do a deep dive on this because I immediately assumed that this original boy anatomically was a boy and then had the surgery to do the sexual change, the gender change to a woman. That she probably had conflict with her Italian-American dad, right? Oh, no, you're not going to do that. And they were fighting. Apparently, that's not the case. The father who worked in a nearby diner, uh, both in terms of kitchen work and delivery, apparently he not only supported her in her transgender change, but paid for the process. And then all of a sudden, she's walking out of the 62nd, 62nd precinct, you know, on the perp chain walk. She's smiling as if she's on the runway. And then it turns out, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, your friend Joe Causey, you know, uh, made his bones there in Bensonhurst, right, and then moved uh, across the plank, the Guinea Gang plank, to Staten Island like so many. <laughs> this just shocked the hell out of him at WCBS FM. Got to talk to him on Monday when you get back there. I don't think it would freak out Avery as much, even though he's a holy roller and a church boy. But Nikki Secondino is a social media influencer who had 15,000 followers on Instagram. The 22-year-old transgender online model has dozens of sultry pictures on her Instagram page and once told an interviewer she had a contract with a modeling agency and attended FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. Now, I don't know if she's doing a George Santos here. You know, I went to FIT. 
She might have them. She might have not. So I looked at these pictures. She looked like a woman. I mean, she looked like a woman, although she said, apparently in the interview, of course, on a podcast, it always comes back to haunt you when you do podcasts, United We Rent. Oh, that's a podcast I want to listen to. Apparently, she spoke about her sometimes difficult transition to being a woman and discussed her modeling career. Quote, people constantly told me that I should get into it and stuff. At the time, one of my friends in high school, I wonder what high school she went. I bet you she went to Edward R. Murrow, just a guess. I was wrong the first time, right? I'll probably be wrong about this. I do not think she went to Lafayette. I do not think she went to Grady. I do not think she went to FDR. I'm thinking she went to Edward R. Murrow, although I might be incorrect. Maybe if anybody out there knows what high school she originally he went to, please let me know. She was a really good photographer in high school, not her, her friend. So we made like a portfolio of pictures, and I actually had a professional photographer do headshots for me and stuff. I always wonder about people who always use that term, and stuff. You know, it's always almost like an add-on. Quote, I started modeling and booking gigs and stuff, and it was the best decision I ever made. I get paid really well. They pay me very well. But it also, sometimes it can be very a very toxic environment. She went on to say, you do get people here and there who can tell I'm transgender. Like, whatever it would be. Off of my voice, off of my face. I have a real feminine body, but like some people can clock you. Like your shoulders are too wide, your ribs are whatever. She said she was born Nicholas Secondino, but realized she was trans when she was five years old. And threw a tantrum at Target when her mom forced her to try on a boy's bathing suit and clothing feeling totally uncomfortable with that wardrobe. Now imagine, at five years old, she felt uncomfortable as a boy. She was anatomically a boy at that time, if we are to believe her. You never know in the world of George Santos. You never, never know. By the time she was 16, Nikki said she had started taking hormones and said her dad was supportive throughout her transition. This is the same man she repeatedly stabbed to death over and over again. Quote, my dad had a strong personality. He didn't let it affect him. My mom, surprisingly, took it a little harder than my dad. That was the way that happened. She said her parents got divorced while the family was living in New Jersey, and she moved back to Brooklyn and... uh, was living in Westchester at the time that she did the podcast. Quote, I was in therapy consistently, Nikki said. I hated the process of hiding that part of myself. I would never have thought an Italian-American guy from Bensonhurst, who had two daughters, obviously divorced from his wife. I think the daughters were living with him, or maybe I'm wrong would have supported his son who wanted to go through a transition medically, the operation, have his uh, anatomical male parts removed and have uh, replaced them with female body parts. 
she's she's done the full transition. She's not what we would have called uh, Bill Lee back in the day. You know, I never say back in the day, but back in the day, a uh, she male. So that a she male would actually have the hose. And then they would, like, uh, take um, H bandage and, you know, wrap it and wrap it. God, man, they must have squeezed that thing to death to try to make it appear when they had their bloomers on or whatever the hell they were wearing at that time that they didn't have a schlong, right? I mean, that was the old school. No, she went through the operation, the Christine Jorgensen operation, the first... The first American ever to go through the transition. Remember Christine Jorgensen? I've told this story before. Went to Columbus High School in the Bronx. Joined the Army. Fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, like Ed Koch did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then decided while still in the military, I believe assigned to uh, West Germany, that she would travel to... um, Either the Netherlands uh, or Denmark, Denmark, I don't know, one of those uh, places, one of those uh, Nordic places, and get the sex transition surgery, which was like brand new. This was like back in 19, what, 1952. When do I remember? Oh, yeah, it was on the David Susskind show. David Susskind. Sundays, Metro Media, Channel 5. He thought he was, you know, so uppity, right? It's like Charlie Rose. I hate Charlie Rose. I hated David Susskind. He had me on for an hour, and I said, you know, David. He goes, Dave to you. Sheesh. God, what an attitude. But that was a great interview he had with Christine Jorgensen. And actually, when she came back from Europe after having the transition surgery and came out on the tarmac at Idlewild Airport. It was Idlewild at that time, not JFK yet. There were like 10,000 paparazzi and reporters. And, man, she handled it magnificently and did a lot of interviews and I think ended up living in Connecticut, had a husband, and would go out and give lectures and would dazzle people. By the way, if Christine Jorgensen had wanted to do a drag queen reading hour up at the old library, library that he went to uh, when he was going to Columbus High School, would that have been acceptable? Uh, G.I. Joe became G.I. Jane. Think of that. Yeah, every G.I. Joe, Christine Jorgensen, who fought in the Battle of Bulge and served in West Germany after the war in the United States Army, became G.I. Jane, I think, the first uh, to do that in America. Yeah, in fact... According to David Susskind, I hated you, David Susskind, with a passion. More than I hated Barbara Walters. That's right, I said it. I know my mom is looking down at me from Curtis. One young. Fatally fatty too. Cheat cheat. Never speak ill of the dead. Remember, remember how your mom, not, not so much your dad, but your mom would tell you, one young child of mine, filial mio, never speak ill of the dead. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. I never followed that. Never. I hated David Susskind, and I hated Barbara Walters, okay? Does that make me a bad person, huh? 
I really hated both of them. <laughs> oh, God. I'm thinking, oh, oh, man, the way they treated me like a person of no consequence. Like I was, like I was, uh, Drek. You know what Drek is? That's the, that flotsman jets them under your shoe. You know, like when you stepped in dog poop. Drek. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So the reason that I found this fascinating is not about transgenders. No. But in uh, somewhat the same fashion, I'm thinking back to Dog Day Afternoon, one of the greatest movies ever made. I think it was either 72 or 75. No, no, the actual Dog Day Afternoon, the bank robbery, took place in 1972 in Brooklyn, the first Brooklyn savings bank. And if you remember the movie, uh, Bill Lee, because, hey, you know that. That's like Saturday Night Lot. No, not Saturday Night. Saturday Night Fever. Remember Saturday Night Fever? I think that was what seventy four. Same same era. It was about Brooklyn. So you got Sonny, who's Al Pacino, and his pal Salvatore. Remember the other guy was going to go in and rob the bank with them. He did the bird. He decided, hey man, I ain't hanging around here. But John Casali, great actor. I'll never forget the uh, tribute that Meryl Streep uh, did for him. Uh, she was like, uh, they lived together. And, and, oh, so hard. Well, apparently, he liked smoking cigars. He died of uh, lung cancer. Remember, he was Fredo. In, he was in so many. I think he was in uh, 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 Russian Roulette. Uh, oh, man. Uh, we played the cut before. Remember where uh, did it, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chinese guys or Vietnamese or whatever. Oh, you see, you got me going here. Uh, anyway, great actor. So he was Salvatore. So they're in the first Brooklyn Savings Bank, if I remember. And the reason they were robbing the bank, it's not like Willie Sutton said, why do you rob banks, right? Because that's where all the money is, right? No. They were robbing the bank because Sonny's boyfriend, what was his name, Leon, he needed to get money to pay for Leon's sex reassignment surgery. That's 50 years ago, right? 50 years ago. Meantime, Sonny had children with his estranged wife, Angie. Remember when Angie came to see him, you know, when they were doing hostage negotiate? What a piece of work she was. Actually, you sort of like Sonny, right? The Al Pacino character. I really like Salvatore. He was like loyal, man. Man, he went down. (laughs) What a great movie that was. (sighs) In fact, if I remember correct, Leon was in Kings County, the psychiatric ward. Because back then, if you wanted to do sex transition, they thought you were crazy. So they put you in. You say, oh, well, you want to get rid of your, your three-piece set and have a pair of ovaries? You must be crazy. Lock them up. Creedmoor, right? <laughs> Staten Island Hospital out there. Uh, definitely Kings County. Oh, that was a great movie. That was a great movie. I think he wanted um, somebody to perform a homosexual marriage. 
I mean, I I did the first one, 1976, in the South Bronx. My mother for my closer, Ralphie, right? When I was a night manager at Mickey D's, right in Soundview. That was what, 72? If I'd have known these... Nah, he's a bank robber. Well, whatever. People didn't dislike Willie Sutton, right? Willie, hey, Willie, uh, why do you rob banks? Because that's where all the money is, right? But I, I don't shoot people. I think that's what he said. See, I'm conflating both here. I'm conflating Sonny. No, not Sonny Corleone. I can't pronounce his last. I'm trying to remember his last name. Wartzik or something. And it was Sal. Sal had an Italian last name. But, oh, what a great movie. Anyway, let's jar my memory, uh, Bill Lee. I know you've worked uh, expeditiously on this. The famous line when everyone thought that Sonny was a homosexual. Our coverage of the Brooklyn robbery, where two homosexuals are holding hostages for their demands of a helicopter, a jet, Funny. and safe passage out Funny, of the they country. said on a TV, two homosexuals in the bank, right on TV. Did you hear what they said? What the difference is it? They don't, man. They can say anything they want. Let them say. Well, I'm not a homosexual. You tell them to get that right. Now, that's, that's, that's going out on the TV. Sal, what am I supposed to do, you know? I can't control what they say on television. Well, what do you expect me to do? I mean, I'm doing everything I can. I can't do that. I mean, they... Oops, Sal. Forget about it. It's just a freak show to them anyway. It don't matter. Whatever they say, it don't matter. Well, they're great. Sal would say, you know, I'm your pal, but I'm not a homosexual. Call up Eyewitness News Channel 7, right? Call up uh, Jim Johnson or Geraldo Rivera or Bill Butel, half in the... Oh, no, Bill wasn't half in the bag. Uh, who am I thinking of? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roger Grimsby, who ended up going back to San, San Diego, half in the bag. And then, of course, uh, the weather forecast, uh, boy, he got bounced. Tex Antoine. Call up Tex Antoine, the guy with the mustache. Let him know, me, Sal, you, Sonny is the homosexuals. Sal, I'm his pal, but I'm not all. He actually thought you could do that. Oh, that was great, right? That was great, <laughs> great stuff. And then the question to, I think it was what, Leon or Sonny? Or, no, happy either Sonny or Leon. Are you still going to have the operation? So now what? What are you going to do? Well, I thought... Uh... I thought that I would go back to the hospital. You know, they're, they're really nice there. I mean, they're, they're, they really seem like they're trying to help me. So then that's good then, right? You found something. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I have or not. So are you going to still have the operation? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the tran- you know, the transitional operation. Everybody was like, what's that? That's Christine Jorgensen. I knew about that in the 50s. Oh, wait, I was kind of young. Should I have been exposed to David Susskind's show on Sunday nights on Channel 5 Metro Media to learn that G.I. Joe had become G.I. Jane over in, over in, uh, what was it, Netherlands or Amsterdam? Well, who the hell? Who knows? You think, you think when I saw that on David Susskind as a young little boy that I was like, man, I want to be just like G.I. Jane. I'll join the Army, become G.I. Joe, and then, you know, they'll pay for my operation, which now they will. Oh, yeah, they'll pay for your operation. 
If you go in, it's G.I. Joe, and you decide, nah, I'm tired of this. I want to be G.I. Joe. And then, of course, the question was, hey, Sonny, uh, why do you rob the bank? Why? Why? Why am I doing it? Yes. Doing what? Robbing a bank. Oh. Uh, what? I, I don't know what you mean by that. I, I'm robbing a bank because they got money here. That's why I'm robbing it. <laughs> That's what Willie Sutton said, right? Now... I'm trying to remember. Sidney Lamette. Pretty sure it was Sidney Lamette who directed that, probably wrote the script. You think he took that line from Willie Sutton? Can I hear that again? Sonny explaining to the hostage negotiator why he was robbing money in the bank. Why am I doing it? Yes. Doing what? Robbing a bank. Oh, uh... What? I, I don't know what you mean by that. I, I'm robbing a bank because they got money here. That's why I'm robbing it. Oh, great line, right? And then the best line was, it's getting really intense. The hostage negotiator starting to yell at Sonny, you know, they're not getting anywhere because Sonny wants, like, uh, a car to take him and Sal, and I think he's trying to convince Leon to go to the airport and fly to Cuba because remember back then they would hijack planes and go to Cuba, but he wanted a plane to go to Cuba. And he would leave. And they ended up shooting them along the way, right? Uh, Sal caught it right in the head from the FBI guy, uh, I believe, who was hiding the gun. Sonny ended up having to do time for that. Whatever happened to Leon there? Did Leon ever get the sex uh, transition surgery? I never followed up. This was a real story. This wasn't fantasy. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But remember... Finally, Al Pacino goes out there. He goes, look, man, I'm, I'm going to address the crowd. I'm going to address the crowd. Attica! 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 Now, that's, that's enough for Randy there. The crowd was predominantly white, right? Italian, Irish. The guys in Attica were predominantly black, screaming Attica. I don't think. I think you think Sidney Lumet embellished that a bit, or even made that up to the George Santos. That all of a sudden this guy Sonny would go outside to a predominantly white crowd. Attica, and no, no, the crowd might have shot him. <laughs> the crowd might have shot him, right? I mean, that's that's where the Gallo brothers were up there in Carroll Gardens, right? And you had the Columbos, they were shooting at one another at the time, and then you had the Bananos. Was, uh, they, they would have shot him, you know, like they got Joe, Joe Colombo there at the Italian-American <laughs> Civil Rights League event there in Columbus there. Remember? The black guy shot him, right? Oh, that's for another day. 1-800-848-9222. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa.
way across the USA. Fucked her eyebrows along the way. Shaved the legs and the he was a she that said, hey, honey, who's a walk on the wild side? Oh, hey, baby. Hey, that's not Lou Reed, man. What is that, a knockoff there? Come on, Bill Lee. Where'd you find it? Get out of there. I don't want this imitation. Get rid of that. The hell, man. That's not Lou Reed. Holly came from Miami. Yeah, Philly. now that's Lou Reed. I could tell the knockoff there. No, no, no. I got the ear for that. Lou Reed with the spike in his arm shooting up right there on the Lower East Side while he was singing. This was only commercial success. He didn't like doing commercial music. Take a walk on the wild side. Yeah, let me hear it. And who are the backup singers here, right? Little Joe. Never once gave it away. Everybody had to pay and pay. A hustle here and a hustle there. New York City is the place where they said, Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, Hey, Joe, take a walk on the wild side. Sugar Pump Fairy came and hit the streets Looking for soul food and a place to eat Went to the Apollo, should have seen him go, go, go They said, hey, sugar, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side Here it comes All right Here it comes huh. is just eating away Thought she was Jim Dean for a day Then I guess she had to crash Valium would have helped that fast I said, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side I said, hey honey Take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls say Do, 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 do can you say that anymore, colored girls? Uh, can you say that? Is that permissible? Uh, Avery, since you're a Yurio Asiatic uh, black man, uh, uh, Broadway Billy, uh, are you permitted to say that? Uh, I think you are. All right, uh, enough, enough, enough. <laughs> uh, wait a second, let's go back to uh, Dog Day Afternoon. I love it when Sal. Goes up to Sunny after they're watching uh, Eyewitness News, Channel 7. Of course, back then, everybody did. Our coverage of the Brooklyn robbery, where two homosexuals are holding hostages for their demands of a helicopter, a jet, Sonny. and safe passage out. Sonny, they said on a TV, two homosexuals in the bank, right on TV. Did you hear what they said? What difference is it? They're going to say anything they want. Let them say. Well, I'm not a homosexual. You tell them to get that right. Now, that's that's... That's going out on the TV. Sal, what am I supposed to do, you know? I can't control what they say on television. Well, what do you expect me to do? I mean, I'm doing everything I can. I can't do that. I mean, they... Oops, Sal. Forget about it. It's just a freak show to them anyway. It don't matter. Whatever they say, it don't matter. 
said it's fake news, right? Hey, call up Ernie Anastas there, right? Hey, tell Ernie, hey, hey, you Greek guy, you better get it right. Or I come down there with my uh, AK-47 and shoot you. Or, wait a second, who was his partner at that time? Co-anchor. She was in Turk 182. Remember the movie? Roseanne Scamardella, remember? Gee, is she still alive, Roseanne Scamardella? Remember, what a what a great combination. Any Anastas and Roseanne Scamardella. Was that an ethnic station? Now look at Eyewitness News. It's like, who are these people? They're not real. It's like, where did they come from? <laughs> it's, they're waspy. They're like... Are those real people there? They don't look at I me. Mean, you looked at Ernie Anastas. He was like out of central casting, right? But Roseanne Scamardella, that's like the girl you went you went out with uh, from uh, the Catholic high school, remember? Whatever happened to Roseanne Scamardella? You think Sonny would have called him up? Hey, you know, my friend here, Sal, objects to being called a homosexual. I want a retraction. Imagine if he would have screamed at the hostage negotiator for the end. If I don't get a retraction, I kill everybody in the bank. What do you think, Ernie Anastas and Rose Scamadella? Rose and Scamadella, I think it was, right? And then remember they had the two Johnson guys. One was the former teacher, the black guy. What was his first name? Then the other guy was the white Johnson. Then, of course, it was Hachado Rivera. Oh, that was, that was so good. It was so ethnic. Although that black guy, the Johnson guy, he was full of himself. Remember, I'm a former teacher. but And everybody who wanted to give themselves up, right? I want to give myself up to Johnson. What? what? No, not that Johnson. Let's not get perverted here. Not not Johnson with the Jimmy cap. That's not that. No, that's not what I'm telling you. Oh, John Johnson, right? Eyewitness News. Remember, remember he was like... You know, in the era of Superfly TNT, you know, Shaft, he's a bad mother, watch your mouth. I, I used to teach school. And everybody who wanted to give themselves up, you know, criminals who had, like, like killed 24 people, you know, did a drive-by shooting outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral while the nuns were uh, praying. Oh, uh, I'll give myself up, but it's got to be live at 5 with John Johnson. I'm going to turn myself in at John Johnson. That became a whole cottage industry for him. Nobody wanted to turn themselves into the white Johnson, whoever the hell his name was. It had to be the black guy, John Johnson. He was so cool, you know. He was a smooth operator. You know, before there was Denzel, there was John Johnson of Eyewitness News. Whatever happened to John Johnson? Whatever happened to Roseanne Scamardella? And who is that white Johnson? No, no, not. I I don't want to talk about, you know, your hero genius songs. You guys, you're like fixated with Jimmy Caps. That's not what I'm talking about. What a great movie, Dog Day Afternoon. If you haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon with all these discussions about transgenders, getting sex change operations, they pioneered. This was like, what, 72, 75, 50 years ago. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, Steve. Uh, Hey, Curtis. I saw Dog Day Afternoon and it came out in 1975. You're right. I was 13. Happened in 72. But here, you played, uh, let me remind you, the, the, the funniest lines in the movie, after the negotiator, remember Sonny 
gets the negotiator to make them believe they're going to get a plane out of the country. Right. So Sonny says to Sal, what country would you like to go to? What does Sal say? Do you need a hint? Oh, no, tell me. Okay. Liz Cheney will be the congresswoman there until Tuesday. Sal says he wants to go to Wyoming. (laughs) Sonny looks at him and says, what do you mean? Sal? So Wyoming's not a country, you know. So then later on, wait, later on, Sonny's talking to Leon, and Leon's going on about, you know, his his her problems. And Sonny says, "You think you got you problems?" I asked Sally, "What, what country wants to go? He wants to go to freaking Wyoming, you, and you think you got problems, you know?" But then Sal, remember when after they negotiated with the hostage negotiator, Sal says to the negotiator, "Tell him to stop saying on the TV that I'm a homosexual." <laughs> that I remember. That ever, can you imagine if they would have said if Sonny would have said, "Okay, I don't want Sal to be upset. You got to call up Ernie Anastas and Roseanne Scaramadella right now, and they have to do a retraction." You could say, "I, Sonny, am a homosexual, but not my friend Sal." <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, I know, it would have been hilarious. But the, oh, that was a great movie. People, if you haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon, it was all in that genre in that year, you know, Saturday Night Fever, that whole 70s thing, Brooklyn. You must get this movie. It, one of the greatest movies ever done. <laughs> and remember, there was hijackings of air airlines to Cuba at that time behind the Sugar King curtain of Fidel Castro. Like, remember, every other month, somebody would be hijacking a plane from JFK to Cuba. Oh, they, they had it all worked in. And that line, why, why are you robbing the bank? Because that's where the money is. <laughs> that was so good. Why am I doing it? Yes. Doing what? Robbing a bank. Oh, uh... What? I, I don't know what you mean by that. I, I'm robbing the bank because they got money here. That's why I'm robbing it. <laughs> right. I mean, that was Willie Sutton's line, but they worked it right in. <laughs> that was the third movie, you know, they were in together, Pacino and John Casale. You know that, right? Oh, John Casale. What a great actor. And I got to tell you, I never liked Meryl Streep. Never liked her. But when she, uh, there was a video of her eulogizing her boyfriend, uh, Casale. Yes. It was so heartfelt. You could see she really loved this guy, and he really loved her. And you say, wow, that's unusual out there in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I do remember. He died, I think, in 78, 79, I think. He was only about 36 years old. Yeah, unfortunately, he liked smoking the cigars. He got the lung cancer. It really ravaged him. She stayed with him every step of the way. You know, before they had hospice, it was really like hospice care for him. And yeah. uh, I, I could no longer dislike her after that. Yeah, you're right. She's from Jersey, you know, Meryl Streep. You that, know that, right? that I didn't know. Which part of Jersey? I, I don't remember. I read it just recently uh, on the internet. But in the other movie, he was in John Casale. He was in the Deer Hunter with Robert De, De Niro. Mel- yeah, that's Mel- what Street I was Mel- looking for. Deer Hunter, brilliant there, with uh, crazy man Christopher Watkin, right? Uh, De Niro, oh, it's crazy, great, great. <laughs> it was just crazy and great simultaneously. He was a brilliant actor, and the way he pulled off Fredo and The Godfather, perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were great. Pacino and Casale together were 
were great together. They played well off each other. If you think about it, wait, think about it. They're actually different char- they're different characters. Like Michael's more the subdued one in The Godfather, and Fredo's, you know, he's out there in in, in the Dog Day Afternoon. John Casale is more the subdued one, and Al Pacino is, you know, he's out there. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, no, exactly. I, I got to tell you, Steve, if you have not seen, ladies and gentlemen, Dog Day Afternoon, and don't worry, Steve was 13. He didn't all of a sudden want to have a transgender. In fact, just put Steve back on. Steve, are you there, Steve? Yes. Yeah, you watched it at 13. You didn't want to be like Leon. You didn't want to change your plumbing, did you? Not at all. <laughs> well, you know, they're saying, you know, if you if you look at these kind of things and you're young and you're impressionable, you you might want to, you know, change your plumbing as a result of looking at Leon in the bathrobe, looking all fritzed out. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be just like Leon there. I want to be in Kings County Psychiatric. Uh, I... I <laughs> And I want to go through a, a sex transition in which they remove my three-piece set and give me ovaries. So now what? What are you going to do? Well, I thought uh, I thought that I would go back to the hospital. You know, they're, they're really nice there. I mean, they're, they're, they really seem like they're trying to help me. So then that's good then, Mike. You found something. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I have or not. So are you going to still have the operation? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, T.C., because he said, yeah, I want to be just like Leon, right? <laughs> wait, wait, Curtis, I just thought of another absolutely hilarious moment in the movie where he's talking to the wife, remember? And, you know, they're having their issues. Oh, yeah, that's Angie, yeah, the, 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 the one he had actually married and had kids with, right, Angie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, what a yenta, what a piece of work that woman was. Now I know yeah. why he became gay. I, I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, right. By the end of that conversation, you're saying, hmm, I understand why he couldn't stay with that woman, right? <laughs> oh, the worst. What a yenta. And and I was saying at that time when I first saw it, I said, now I know why he became gay. I mean, <laughs> with a woman like that, you'd want to be. <laughs> you'd want Oh, the what? she was so well typecast. Real Yenta. You probably know a few of them out there. Right now, guys are saying, yeah, I'd want to become gay, too, because I'm going to die before she does. I know I'm going to die before she does, right? 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 Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
Now, that was 1970, The Kinks, and it became the number one song. I don't know if uh, Cousin Brucey was playing uh, The Kinks Lola while he was spinning stacks of wax. But this was about, what, transvestite, transgender, transformer. Uh, this is 1970. This is the number one song. And I remember when I first heard this from the Kinks, I said, what? What? Let me hear that. play that jam on WCBS-FM, huh? You and Joe Causey and Scott Shannon. I don't know. Let's go to Fred in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Freddie. Hey, Curtis. How are you, sir? I have a big admirer for years. I'm sorry I even asked that, but, man, I, I, I finally got a reason for me to call. Dog Day Afternoon. From the opening piano notes of the Elton John song, Amarina, and the gritty New York City at the beginning. What a movie, right to the end, to the bullet in the head. We used to, I remember the movie being filmed on 10th Avenue, right off of the Prospect Expressway. We, we weren't allowed on that side of the block. It was completely closed off. They had helicopters in the air. We could hear the crowd scream, but we were on the other side of the Prospect. Mm. And... Um, made a party out of it that night. They, they were there for like three or four nights. Uh, that's a condominium now, by the way, that bank. I did some work in there in the 80s when they were renovating it. But um, if, if Sony wouldn't have burned the register, nothing would have happened. <laughs> why, why did he have to go and burn the register? And everybody was asking, Sonny, what are you doing? He's like, I've got to burn the register. And he put it in the garbage can, and then he tries to put the garbage out, and then the smoke goes billowing out into the street. I forgot that part. You're right. You're right. <laughs> there was absolutely no reason to burn the register. There was no money there anyway. Take what you got and just go. And, and he's burning the register. But we remember, we're thinking, okay, this is a bank robbery, but for a sex change operation, that, like, blew our minds. Like, who's getting the sex change operation? Is it maybe Sal? No, no, I'm not homosexual. Sonny himself, after we looked at Angie, he probably wanted a sex change operation, his wife. Uh, with the kids he had, oh, what a piece of work she was. But then we saw Leon, who was who was going to be the beneficiary of getting the sex change operation so that Sonny could get a divorce from Angie and marry Leon. Wow. And that was, what, 1972? Freaky deaky. Yeah, now they would say, well, you want to expose kids to that? You never know. They might want to be like Leon. Check this out.
on the weekend. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. <laughs> Keith Moon, and of course, Peter Townsend, who turns out was a pedophile on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah, he says he was doing research. That's why they found pedophilia on his hard drive. And he got away with it. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this will be the theme song for the ever-changing life of George Santos. I don't even think his name is George Santos. I don't believe anything about this guy anymore. Every minute of every hour of every day, we learn something else that was a completely made-up lot. Pulling him uh, ahead of uh, our president, um, Joe Biden, who has uh, made up a story like every week, almost every week, right? Going way back to plagiarism. To pretending to be like Neil Kinnock, who was the labor leader in uh, Britain, verging on being a socialist communist. Remember when he took on Maggie Thatcher there, the coal miners' strike? That's what made her the Iron Lady of uh, the UK. But let's not talk about them. We will talk about Joe Biden because uh, he is a... Uh, fabricator of stories, a liar, and he gets away with it as president of the United States. Well, we got to talk about this guy, the king of the whoppers. Man, this guy whips him up so quick, so fast, so furiously. Now, with Joe Biden, we can say dementia, Alzheimer's, right? Or at least initial stages like Ronald Reagan had. But with this, George Santos, he's in his 30s. Well, apparently... In March of 2020, at the time of the lockdown, remember the beginning uh, of what was a topsy-turvy time in all of our lives, locally, regionally, nationally, and globally. Uh, George Santos had done a video episode of the Empire State Conservatives podcast. See, it's always a podcast that gets you into trouble, which has since uh, been made private on YouTube. 
Santos told the host that he battled a brain cancer tumor a couple of years ago. Quote, I had radiation done, which really, really lowers your immunity in general. Recounting his experience with COVID-19 in the early days of the pandemic. Apparently, in the um, hour-long interview, he thought that the response to COVID-19 was blown up, noting that although his underlying health conditions would have made him more susceptible to serious illness, he was just fine. He said, I have an uh, immunodifferent... How do I pronounce this? Ladies and gentlemen, I need help. Remember, I had a very difficult time pronouncing narcissistic complex that Frank Morano has and Sid Rosenberg. And to a degree, I have. You know, it's narcissism. And this is immunodeficiency. I have something along there. Please help me with that, ladies and gentlemen. 1-800-848-922. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And he also said that he had acute chronic bronchitis in addition to the brain cancer. And this guy really piled it on. Brain cancer would have been bad enough, right? That would have really gotten everybody going, oh, you had brain cancer. Oh, in addition, I had chronic uh, bronchitis, and uh, I had uh, immunodeficiency. I'm trying. I'm trying. I need help. 1-800-848-9222. And he goes on, this this, uh, Yenta, this Kakadam, this Pinocchio. And I'm susceptible to cancer. It's in my DNA, right? So I'm not going to say I'm the healthiest person out there, but I'm not one of the most healthy. Adding that all I need to recover from COVID-19 was to use an inhaler for three days. Quote, I am just shocked that the proportion that this has been blown up because I am the perfect candidate to be, you know, RIP. Rest in peace. And it just didn't happen. Wow. What a kakaran. So not only did he have a cancerous tumor in his head, his brain, but he declared himself to have chronic bronchitis. That's why he always had to have the inhaler with him. And he had the, uh, again, you're going to have to help me with this, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of these multisyllabic words, one of these $5 words Immunodeficiency. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Avery, uh, phone screen to see if anybody there can help me with the pronunciation. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here uh, as we do our George Santos routine. <laughs> this guy, what a piece of work. What a piece of work. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dan, who's calling from Farmingdale. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC. Dan, the man. Yeah, Curtis, in dog day afternoon, when they were negotiating for the plane, what country did Sal want to go to? You know, Sonny asked him, what country you want to go to, Sal? Do you remember? Yeah, he said Wyoming. Wyoming. <laughs> hey, uh, was- hey, Dan, have you been listening? 
a guy before oh, you. Oh, you covered that. I, I was half not. Yeah, well, what do you th- what do you think? I'm a gavon. I'm a moron. I don't remember what the last caller said. Oh. All right, I missed it. You know, I got to make my rounds here. I'm working. Yeah, you got to make your rounds. Oof. Uh, see, he tried. He tried. He tried to. He tried. He tried it. Yeah, you see, I'm gonna get Curtis. Uh, he's such a, uh, he is Stunad. Curtis is such, he can't pronounce that word. What is that word again? I mean, deficiency with an M something on it in advance. And look, it's a $5 word. It's multisyllabic. I got problems. Like, uh, in being a narcissistic personality. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Richard. Um, where are you calling from, uh, Richard? From the Bronx. The Bronx. The Bronx. All right. What do you What do you got to say, Richard? Okay, Santos. He was singled out by the New York Times. Okay, you got all kinds of uh, dirt on him. But what about the other Democrats? What about that uh, woman who married her brother to get into the country illegally? And what about uh, Blumenthal? He. These two people have been vetted by way of reelection. I suggest we stop piling on him and let the voters of the third district. Let them vet. Well, how about, how, how about this, Richard? You bring up some good points. You bring up some very good points. Um, I think you were talking about Ilhan Omar. Yes, that's her. Who yes. was from uh, Somalia, uh, almost lost her congressional seat in the primary uh, this and recent she time. Lose she didn't lose it. She right. was vetted. And, right. and Blumenthal has been vetted several times. Now, Trying to say that you were a war hero is far worse than anything that this guy Santos said. Saying you're a war hero when he was a multimillionaire uh, Wall Street commodity trader. His family was anyway. Well, do we yeah. know that? Do we know that, Richard? No, no. Anyway, Blumenthal. But no, no, no. I understood. I, I actually met with Blumenthal one time in New Haven when he was the attorney general of the state of Connecticut. But you're right. Uh, he pretended. Now, I suggest Republicans leave him alone. Republicans are too milquetoast. What if this was a Democrat? What if this is a black guy who was a Democrat who with all these lies? Is the New York Times going to jump on him? Is it, are the Democrats going well, to jump Well, on wait him? a second. We don't, we don't have to go that far. We can just go to, uh, in fact... I want you to play 88, 88 instead, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, because there was a man who had been going to college and he desperately uh, wanted to, uh, he wanted to learn what black folks were like. Uh, it's right before that. It's right before the one that I wanted you to play. Um, and he decided to come home, 88. Oh man! All right, so you uh, you 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 do a deep dig and you try to find it there. But the point was, actually, the better argument would be about uh, the ever-changing life of George Santos. <laughs> this one was a real whopper. I got a, a cancerous tumor in my head. I got uh, bronchial uh, asthma. And I got immunodeficiency or whatever that is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sonia, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sonia. Hi. 
Hi, I just want to say I enjoyed listening to you so much. You're so, um, educa- you know, education. I'm like your age, but I always like learning more things. You're very fascinating. You're very funny. Also, as a, a listener once called a couple of weeks ago, you're just like George Carlin. I love George Carlin. Oh, he was brilliant. George right. Carlin was so exactly. fast, so brilliant. Right, and also Alan King. Yes, Alan King, yes. although Alan King had attitude, attitude. He was well, like, you have attitude. You have attitude also. Yeah, but I think Alan King was a little too full of himself. George Carlin, I mean, man, he was so good. Right, right. And I'm usually, you know, I'm like a conservative person or whatever, but I like different genres of things. Also, Dog Day Afternoon is on one of these, um, in case your listeners want to hear, they have these free streaming channels. It's on one of them. So check out which one it is. I'm probably going to watch it this weekend because I haven't seen it in a while. And also he, um, Al Pacino and Serpico. You, I am telling you, you must see it. And, And that line that I loved, the line that I loved is when Sal turns to Sonny and he says, they call me a homosexual here. You got to do something about it. Our coverage of the Brooklyn robbery where two homosexuals are holding hostages for their demands of a helicopter, a jet, Sonny. and safe passage. Sonny, they said on a TV, two homosexuals in the bank, right on TV. Did you hear what they said? What the difference is it? They're going to say anything they want. Let them say I'm not a homosexual. You tell him to get that right. Now, that's 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 going out on the TV. Well, Sal, what am I supposed to do, you know? I can't control what they say on television. Well, what do you expect me to do? I mean, I'm doing everything I can. I can't do that. I mean, they... Oops, Sal. Forget about it. It's just a freak show to them anyway. It don't matter. Whatever they say, it don't matter. Boy, that's fake news, right? Sonia... Right. Wouldn't you have loved it if uh, Sonny would have said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to call up Ernie Anastas and Roseanne Scamardella right now and demand a retraction of that. Right, right. But I mean to say I also loved him in Serpico. Oh, yeah. There's no no doubt about it. Particularly when he was dressed with the black hat, the black coat, dressed as the Hasid so he could be mugged. Oh, that was so good, Serpico. He said, I met the real Serpico. That guy was a loony kazoonie. Oh, come on, Curtis. You can't say that about the guy. You know, he was part of uh, long, what was his name? Sergeant Dirk. The NAP Commission. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, this guy was weird, Serpico. This guy testified before the city council and said that he could hear radio shows like this through his teeth, through the fillings of his teeth, and they eliminated it from the record. They said, well, we can't, we can't make it out that Serpico's a nut. I remember he was uh, taking care of the home of John Alvelson out in the Hamptons, and uh, I and uh, Leecher were a guest at that time because John Alvelson and had the rights to do a Guardian Angel movie. It was the first time he was going to also be the producer and director. He had just come off of Karate Kid 1, Karate Kid 2, obviously, the Rocky uh, movie with Stallone. And this guy couldn't have been nastier. Not to me so much. He was nasty, 
towards Lisa, you could see this guy was a sexist misogynist. And boy, that I learned how to pronounce. But I, I, Sonia, how, how do you pronounce immunity? I don't know what I don't, um, immune. Um, I don't even know what the word is. I, 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 I tell you, immunity this, or something. No, no, no immunity from. Uh, I would like immunity from prosecution, but I'll never get that. These five-dollar words, these multi-syllabic words, Sonia. It's so unfair that they force me to have to try to pronounce these words, right? Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. I'm a high school dropout, right? How the hell am I going to handle a five-dollar word, multi-syllabic word? But you can say multisyllabic. That's a lot. That's a lot of syllables. Well, I tell you what, that makes me feel a lot better, Sonia. Let's go to Gail in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gail. Yes, Curtis. It's immunodeficiency. Oh wow! Immuno. Right, let me repeat it. Immuno. Deficiency. Deficiency. Say it all together. Immunodeficiency. That is correct. Wow. That, that, thank you. I was going to be struggling with that. I was biting my tongue, my lip. I, You know, when they have these multiple syllables, it's very difficult for me. Yeah. It helps to know what it means, though. It means there's something wrong with your immune system. It's not working properly. I know, but can't they truncate these words for people like myself, you know? Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people that would appreciate that. You know, give them a brisk, give the words a brisk, you know, shave them a little bit. It's it's <laughs> very, do that. It's very tough. You know, there are times they give me copy to read, and I say, well, what am I going to do with this? It's like... This Break it up into syllables. Oh, is this like hooked on phonics? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about hooked on phonics. Well, well, you know, phonetics, right? That's what Phonetics... We- it's hard with phonetics because the spellings don't often sound like what they look like. Yeah, but I want to know because I remember there was that wave where everybody was hooked on phonics. Phonics was the way to teach. Hooked on phonics, hooked on phonics, hooked on phonics. You remember that, Gail? I remember that, but I'm too old to have been a part of it. Well, 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 they're trying to bring that back now. Uh, They're trying to bring it back, Gail. So maybe if you went to the, what is it again, library or library? You still don't have that right. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Christine in the West Village. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Christine. Hi, Curtis. Happy New Year. It's not. And it's. Got, it's not New Year yet. You know, you got to wait for the ball to drop. I'll be announcing oh, the New sorry. Year in, and that's got me pissed off. What? We couldn't have Tony Orlando do it. We couldn't have Cousin Brucey. Does anybody want to work here anymore, Christine? Well, I'm sure they do. But the correction to your word is um, autoimmune disorder. That's what you're trying to say. All right. Auto, so I got to think. Auto, all right. Like the car, auto. All right, so hot wire, hot wire the car, so that's auto, right? Autoimmune. Immune. Disorder. Disorder. Autoimmune disorder. Say it five times fast. Auto. All right, autoimmune disorder. Well, I can think of autos because of hot wiring them. So yeah, although I didn't go to automotive high school in uh, Greenpoint. But uh, I could still hotwire a car. 
Perfect, Christine. And, and the other thing is the word library is different from library. And I've been a little a teacher of little kids for most of my life, and I found out that when they're real little, like three, four, and five, they say library. And then when they get to around the fourth or fifth grade, they begin to say library. Well, it's got to be one or the other. Yeah, you're very confusing. Well, well, library is the correct pronunciation. But now, wait a second. So if you're a child, and I'm very childlike myself, so in the uh, in in your way with youth, you say library, and then yeah, all of a sudden you mature, you develop, you, you know, all of a sudden uh, you have high levels of testosterone crashing through your cranium, and now all of a sudden you start uh, calling it a library. I think so. That that's been my observation. Does this, as a teacher, does does it does this happen when your hormones kick in? Is that you know your hormones kicking, and now all of a sudden, after saying library, you suddenly start saying library? I don't think it's hormonal. I think it's what your teacher teaches you over and over again. But I'm soon to be sixty nine, and I still don't know how to pronounce it. Well, you have very active hormones. Mm. You must have very active hormones. But either way is correct. You can say it either way. So if I subscribe, even in my older days, to hormonal therapy, which could lead to a a gender change, would I then be (laughs) able to pronounce this correctly? Um, That's a good question. I think you're doing all right. I think everybody understands what word that is. Well, I need to throw it out to the audience. If, in fact, this is a question of hormones, the hormones kicking in, if I were to submit to uh, hormone uh, hormone injections to somehow begin the process of changing my gender identification from what is it, uh, XY, right? I'm an XY. Oh, no, females are XY. No. Wait a second. I'm confused. Females are XY or XX, which would make males then XY, not XX. I need help, ladies and gentlemen. You need to send me a, uh, throw me a educational lifeline here. I'm getting very confused. I'm uh, developing vertical, verbal vertical, if there is such a terminology. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pamela calling from Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. Phonetically, a BR is is difficult for children and difficult for people who have speech difficulties. Ah, so the correct term would be what? What, for the library? Yeah. For, uh, library. 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 Right. When you have two consonants next to each other, that can be difficult for children because they're immature at that point and they can't pronounce those. Like statistic, um, ST, a lot of people leave out, you know, a double consonant is difficult for for, uh, people and children especially. They have to grow into the ability to uh, say that. Now, you said STDs? 
No, statistic. Oh. That's the word that most people get wrong. I failed they that. Say- I failed in math. I failed statistics. I must be very honest with you, Pamela. They usually end up saying sadistic. Wow. Sadistic so- say. <laughs> no, it's statistic. All right, now, Pam, you were a teacher? Uh, yes, I started out in communications disorders and then uh, went into teacher of the handicap. Okay. So clearly I have a handicap when it comes to these multisyllabic terms because it's like, well, let's deal with the one that I'm always struggling with when I'm describing my colleagues, Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, Sid Rosenberg, the Peacock, narcissistic. Narcissistic. You take it syllable by syllable. Narciss- narcissistic. Nar- and, you know, some, sometimes you just have to forget about it for a while. And, and because when the brain is trying to work on something, that's when you mess up. Like when you're trying to find something, the brain releases hormones that mess, mess up your identifier. And then when you relax and the cortisol calms down, then all of a sudden you can find something. Same thing with speech, many. That's why stutterers, you know, when they when they sing and, you know, they're starting to find out more and more about stuttering. It's, it's always been a mystery, but speech is sort of like that. But you have a gift like Leo Gorsi and the Bowery Boys. You can uh, do alliteration and, and, you know, connect syllables like uh, nobody can, you know, which is a, a gift. <laughs> well, now um... – you see, this is where I'm getting confused, too. You mentioned that you lost something. You're trying to find it. Maybe that's why I never found things that I lost, because I would always say a prayer to St. Jude, which I, it's like an impossible cause, right, St. Jude? Well, sometimes you have to back off when you're – well, I, in dealing with, in special education, I've learned a lot about psychology, and, and uh, a psychologist told me that when you're when you've lost something – and you're like determined to find it and you're upset and everything, you're very rarely are you going to find it. So you have to back off. You have to go about your business. And then the brain calms down. The, the, the hormones released calm down like cortisol when you're, you get excited at, over something. And uh, once that calms down, then your brain uh, is open to finding it. All of a sudden you'll see it at your feet or you dropped it or you put it somewhere and you just have to back off and relax. Maybe I should just have my hormones, what few are left in me, depleted. (laughs) I think you're doing okay. No, I mean, because now they call hormonal therapy, gender transition. It's so confusing. I get vertigo. So it might be hormonal, but I have a feeling this uh, inability that I have at times to handle multisyllabic words um, is uh, it's got to get better. Look, at some point I have to mature. I can't always be a kid and always be like struggling like this. But yet you can come up with these combinations of descriptions when you describe Cuomo or when you describe (laughs) that uh, nobody can match. Oh, you mean like so uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo the second, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first? Right, right. That's that's a gift. Or in the words of my mentor Bob Grant, Mario, ascendeme, tu siu provienos facin, and he is. You know, my my students many times were gifted when when uh, they call people so called, you know, special ed. 
There's gaps in certain areas, but you can be, like, brilliant, like have an IQ in certain areas. I always use the example, if I was uh, falling off a cliff, who would I call on? I'd call on one of my students because if the store was locked up and there was rope inside to save me, my kids had common sense, and they would break the window, get the rope, and save me. They had real common sense, and they were highly intelligent in different areas. It's it's uh, amazing. It's really amazing. People, uh, you know, have gifts in certain areas. Now, and just because you can't spell does not mean you're not smart, because spelling, you either have it or you don't, just like your multiplication facts. You either can learn them or not. That's not intelligence. That's just part of the brain that, that memorizes. Right now, Pam, um, when I went to school, public school, fourth grade, as an example, I was in 4A. My Supreme Cuisine cousins were in 4F. Uh, we didn't have the term special ed then. We just had the term they're titched. They're uh, insane in the brain. Um, we obviously. Well, you know yes. You know what they used to do in uh, the 60s? You'll remember this. Remember the reading groups? Like if you couldn't read well, you were called like the vultures or the buzzards. And if you could read well, you were the blue jays or the cardinals. And I always thought as a kid, that's horrible. That's already you're telling the kid that, you know, not that there's not a place for vultures. I love animals and buzzards. They serve a purpose. But you're, you're telling them that they're, they're uh, you know, not good. When uh, many kids develop at a different rate for reading. Mm. And, um, it, it, you know, it's not a sign of intelligence. Boy, they really screwed around with education in the 60s. They over-tested us and played around with statistics and everything. And every single day, every time I came home, my parents would say, what you do today? Oh, we took another state test. We took another state test. We took another state test. They really, like, that's when education started to go down the drain with uh, this education, uh, testing rather, instead of teaching. Well, I think uh, because there was no such thing at that time as pre-K or pre-pre-pre-K, there was romper room. And I think it started there, Pamela, because you either were classified as a do-bee or a don't-bee. <laughs> right, right. I was, uh, I was on romper room for a full week. I became lens lice after that. I never knew a camera that I didn't want to speak to or make love to. Uh, but I attribute that to my appearance on Romp Room, and thank God I was classified as a doobie because I might have had really incredible problems in life if I had to carry around with me that I was classified as a don't be. I always got freaked out when she looked through that magic mirror. Like, was she really looking through the television set at us? <laughs> uh, old Channel 9 studio when it was in uh, not Secaucus, but in uh, New York. I believe it was uh, right there in Times Square, and I will never forget it. Forget being anointed a Curtis. You're going to be a doobie. You other kids, you're going to be dopeies. You know, I don't know if they went on to become serial killers, robbers, white collar criminals. It would be interesting to trace that, Pamela, because they have a record of who is on that week with me. Who got, uh, who was called a doobie and who was a dopey? And I would bet you that it left a stigma, a scar, a mental scar on these children to say, why couldn't I be a doobie? I want, you know, although a doobie later on in life, you'd end up smoking. So that could be very confusing. So yeah, but I'll bet you doobies versus dopeys. I'll bet you a lot of those dopeys ended up 
having that mental scar they had to carry on the rest of their life, stigmatized in high school. I remember watching Rock Room. You were a dome piece. Stay away from me. You'll have to do a shout-out. Any, uh, you know, people still around? Oh, have them call in. That That's excellent. That's excellent, Pamela. If any of you happen to have appeared on Romp Room, it's a very small group of people, I might say, a very small fraternity and sorority. It's the only one I ever was in because, remember, I got kicked out of high school. I never went to college or junior college. But I could say I was in the fraternity and sorority, a very limited group of people. No, I wasn't on Bozo the Clown. I was on Romper Room, I'm proud to say. That's right, Avery. And one of my finest moments when I became Lens Lice for a full week, you turn on Romper Room, and there I was, little Doobie Curtis. Although Doobie later on was what you smoked, right? It was like a joint, like a bone, like a fatty. Hey, you want to light up a doobie? Remember that? Please do, doobie. What if you were a don't be? Would that have stigmatized you? Would you have been uh, so incapable of walking out the door in your house because they would say, here comes the don't be. I don't want you playing with that kid any longer. He's a dopey. I I saw him on Rump Room. You know, he wasn't a doobie. And then later on in the era of Cheech and Chong, doobie? Where can I smoke that? See how confused. See why it would have vertigo? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Diane in Brooklyn, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Diane. <laughs> okay. XX is female. Right. So you're an XY, definitely. And with all this, like, gender modification, you can't change that. <laughs> so there's only two genders. I'm sorry. Now, hold on a second. So my chromosomes are, you said XY? That's right. So why are women XX? How could they ever get a Y if they're XX? Well, they'll never get a Y. 
That's but, just the way the chromosomes are. I was a biology major. Yeah, but aren't they beginning to experiment with altering one's chromosomal chart? No. No, not like that, no. Well, why not? That would be a hell of a lot easier in going to transition instead of having surgery where they got to anatomically change my plumbing. Wouldn't it be a lot easier just to... uh, to change the chromosomal content, and then instantly I become a woman. I'm XX. Then you can, like, blank yourself. You know what I'm saying? The point is, XX is female. XY is male. And also, if you take words and you put, like, and, and you have some knowledge of what they are, by the way, if you speak Spanish or any of the Romance language, it would help a lot. Like, I took Latin in high school, okay? Like, automob- autoimmune, auto is self. Automobile, automobile, self-moving. You didn't need a horse, right? Autoimmune. Now, let me ask you a question, Diane. What, what high school did you go to where you took Latin? Oh, 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 in Philadelphia. All right. John Bartram. All right. So you you took Latin. I took Latin in Brooklyn Prep. And if I didn't have crib notes for Caesar Gallic, Caesar's Gallic Wars, I would have failed that, that freshman year of Latin. Well, I'll tell you something about Latin, too. It's like, it's mostly, you know, they always say English is dramatic. dramatic, dramatic. No, no, it's not. It's mostly Latin. So I just used to look at the root of the word, and I would know it from English, because English is so made up of Latin, that I would do these instantaneous translations. My, my, my teacher thought I was this genius, and actually, I wasn't at all. I would just look at the root, and, you know, it, and... <laughs> so what, do you, what do you think, since obviously you're very good as a linguist, uh, I am not... My linguistic skills are minimal. Look, I failed Latin in high school. I failed French in junior high school. I should have taken Spanish. Uh, people tell me when I speak uh, the dialect of Bade's Italian, I botulize the Italian language. And let's face it, people have suggested that I botulize English too. <laughs> You're great, though. The thing of it is, though, what, what I'm talking about here is that you can take the longest word, all these chemical terms and all that, and just take, look at the groupings. You could see little words making up a big word. You know what I'm saying? And, and yet we started this conversation ever so simply. I just said, look, why not just change one letter in our chromosomal composition you're an XX, I'm an XY, so instead of I have that moment where suddenly I want to experience being a female, they just take out my Y chromosome and put in an X. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Never is a long time, Diane. It will never happen because, the, I mean, the, the whole thing with, with atoms and molecules, I mean, you just can't, like, whimsically take take an XX and put a Y in there. I mean, be, it, it, then you'd be a male. But, but, but you, you can't.
can't like fool around with that. It's it's there. It links together. You, you just no. I'm sorry. Well, hold on a second. Now that that's the moral. Uh, explanation of why they wouldn't do it. There's a certain morality there, but hey, that never stopped scientists no. before. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with morality. It has it's purely science. Oh, wait a second. The guy who always said it was purely science was uh, Dr. Fauci. Uh, Dr. Fauci would always answer whatever his uh, uh, the question was uh, of Dr. Fauci. He would always say, "Oh, it's the science." I represent science. No, no, no. Fauci also considered himself science. And Fauci is usually wrong. And that's because he works for the pharmaceutical companies and he you know, likes to cover up a lot of stuff. Fauci is really, really, Fauci helped to make the COVID virus, you know, because he gave money to Wuhan a bioweapons lab from the NIH, and that's been put out there. I mean, that's a fact already. Now, Diane, Diane, if at an early portion of his life, though, because he did go to Regis High School, the most prestigious of all Jesuit high schools, how do we know that? They don't have a football team. That's why I would never consider it, although they would have never had me. But it might have been that occasion where if we could have changed his uh, chromosomal composition from uh, XY to an XX, we would never have had Dr. Fauci from the days of Ronald Reagan till now. I represent science. No, you don't. Oh, Fauci, please. Fauci should go to jail, actually. I represent science. (laughs) I mean, what a drag queen Dr. Fauci could have made. I mean, think of that. But you see, what they do now, they're doing the children, which is, you know, it's like if you ever, do you ever listen to Jesse Kelly? Uh, did I ever listen to who? Jesse Kelly. Jesse Kelly, no. He has a radio show from 6 to 9, oh my goodness, on the station next to yours. But anyway, and he always says something that's amazing. He, he says, they look for the discontents. And everything, because maybe you're a feminist, so you're upset about that, but you're not upset about other things, so they're going to catch you on every single discontent thing, Black Lives Matter, this, that, the other thing, and and the communists insert themselves in all of this, and it's all coming from that one source. Hmm. Now, as you realize when you're listening to talk radio, I am the most discontented of all because I have problems with everything. (laughs) Right or wrong? I have problems with my colleagues. I have problems with the music. I have problems with the music, uh, the news from Frankie Diaz. I have problems with everything. In fact, there was one caller who wished me a happy new year, and I said, hey, schmuck putz, it's not New Year's yet. But you love this country. You don't want to change this country into a, a, a centrally uh, uh, controlling government. Well, country. well, Diane, when we come back, you do. I'm going to tell you what I want to do as we welcome in the new year. I will welcome in the new year with all of you. No, 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 cousin Brucey. No, Vinnie Madugno. No, Tony Orlando. I guess they were too busy. Nobody seems to want to work any longer. 
But I will be welcoming in all of you. You got to be listening. You know, forget the TV. What is that? Ryan Seacrest. He's no, he's no Dick Clark, American Bandstand. And what, Andy Cohen is going to be half in the bag again with uh, Anderson Cooper. Give me a break. <clears throat> you want to listen to yours truly, Curtis Lever. And I'll have my wife here, Nancy. We'll be partying in the new year. No, this will not be prohibition. I can't drink because I have chronic Crohn's disease. But I'm sure uh, by the end of it, my my wife, Nancy, will be half in the bag. What do you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about. Because we have ways of preparing, of screening, of people coming in, and we have ways of responding like we did with this one case in Seattle, Washington, who had traveled to China and brought back the infection. That was Jan- I represent science. No, you know, because that was January of 2020 with John Katsimatidis. You couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. Oh, yeah. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. I'd like to be able to... Anyway. I'm... My mind's going blank now. What's happening? I can't remember. My mind's going blank now. What the hell's going on here? My mind's going blank now. Somewhere in St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, the president is probably whipping up some whoppers to tell us uh, at the start of the new year, like he does almost every week. On a regular basis. Although interesting, uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who also has a new moniker, a new nickname, out of town Adams, had gone to uh, the Virgin Islands. I guess he was part of the advance team since he uh, always fashioned himself as the Biden of Brooklyn. Uh, and then the uh, president uh, and the Madam First Lady followed. But when we talk of whoppers, I'll never forget this story uh, about corn pop that I thought was made up from beginning to end. Uh, I think it's time for us to recycle it back, Broadway Bill Lee, because nobody ever came forward and claimed, oh, that was me that uh, Joe Biden was talking about. I was popcorn. Corn pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther. You, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. Well, he came off, and he said, I'll meet you outside, and I'll be waiting for you. He was waiting for three guys in straight razors. Not a joke. There was a guy named Bill Wright, Mouse, the only white guy, and he did all the pools. He was the mechanic. And I said, what am I going to do? He said, come down here in the basement where, where, where all the pool f- f- filter is. There used to be a chain that went across the deep end. 
and you cut off a six-foot length of chain. You fold up, he said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. So I walked out with the chain, and I walked up to my car. And they had, in those days, used to remember the straight race. You'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. And I looked at him. I said, when I tell you get off the board, you get off the board, and I'll kick you out again. But I shouldn't have called you. Esther Williams, I apologize for that. He said, you apologize to me? I said, I apologize for that. Not for throwing you out, but I apologize for what I said. He said, okay, close the straight razor, and my heart began to beat again. Why do I not believe that? You really think there was a guy named Corn Pop in Wilmington, Delaware? Corn Pop was a bad dude. And, <laughs> and that he called him Esther. And that got Corn Pop all angry. Oh, I'm going to get that white boy. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. And, so- and it, I remember it was Joe Biden told us that he, he purposely, uh, on his summer back from college, decided he had to learn more about black people, so he decided to become a lifeguard uh, in the hood in the inner city of Wilmington, which there is one. Uh, even though it's uh, a city that basically was created as a tax shelter for Fortune 500 companies. So if you're ever there on one side of the interstate are all the Fortune 500 companies trying to avoid paying taxes. Uh, and on the other side, you got the hood. But nobody ever came forward and said they ever knew a guy named Corn Pop or Corn Pop himself. But Corn Pop was a bad dude. And naturally, Joe Biden was flexing and called him Esther. And anyway, and if we I don't do- drive an 18-wheeler, man. Yeah. Oh, I wish oh, yeah. to. That's, uh, that's I awesome. got to. <laughs> man, we think we got a problem with George Santos. We got the president of the United States who makes up stories every week. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Nobody ever what? asked him, uh, who was Corn Pop? I mean, what kind of a guy would call himself Corn Pop? Corn Pop was a bad dude, <laughs> and he ran a bunch of bad boys. And, so- and then notice how Trump alliterated that and then said, you know, MS-13, they're bad hombres, right? Well, we know there's MS-13, that's for sure. And we know they're bad hombres. But can you imagine a thug calling himself Corn Pop? Corn Pop was a bad dude. Wouldn't people laugh at that? Like you, you a bad mother. Watch your mouth. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Oh, and then remember the little uh, little black kids coming out of the pool. They always wanted to just touch Joe Biden's leg because they had never seen blonde hair on anybody's legs before. Man, was that freaky. Man, I'm telling you, Peter Townsend or Joe Biden in terms of potentially being a pedophile. Oh, it's a toss-up as we continue right here on Your Place to Be, WABC. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. 
Here's Curtis Lewa. Father Soul, Soul Brother Number One, James Brown. Revenge. Now the question is, is that what Michelle Obama was engaged in? She was the former first lady, Michelle Obama. Yeah, let me hear it. Oh, that's the way I've lived my life. I don't forgive. But now, it's an interesting uh, situation. Michelle Obama, if uh, she were to announce that she were running for president uh, of the United States tomorrow, would be in the lead. Now, I don't know if she uh, would be able to withstand uh, a campaign. But uh, if you were to say, who is the most admired female in America today? She finishes uh, number one again and again and again. She has a new book out. Uh, she's making the uh, tour for the light we carry. She did uh, some kind of roundtable uh, forum. She's done a few of them. I think Beyonce's uh, mother was there. And um, 
All of a sudden, out of nowhere, she said, look, people think I'm being catty by saying this. It's like there were 10 years where I couldn't stand my husband, my husband, Barack Obama. And guess when it happened? When our children were little. So a lot of people took offense to this. Why? What's the purpose? She said, after 10 years, while we were trying to build our careers, and you know, worrying about school and who's doing what and what, I was like, uh, this isn't even Stevens. And guess what? Marriage isn't 50-50 ever, ever. There are times I'm 70, he's 30. There are times he's 60, I'm 40. But guess what? Ten years we've been married, 30. I would take ten bad years over 30. It's just how you look at it. And people give up. Five years, I can't take it. So it's very interesting that she gave us uh, an opportunity to look internally what it must have been like living with the man who nobody knew at that point would become president of the United States. I mean, I remember receiving a call from a delegate to the Democratic National Convention in Boston that had just nominated its favorite son. I believe it was uh, not you, Kerry, John Kerry. <laughs> you, Kerry, was half in the bag, former governor of uh, New York. And the person who had uh, given a speech there, this person calls me up and says, uh, Barack Hussein Obama is going to become the future president of the United States. And I said, get the hell out of here. With a name like that, Barack Hussein Obama, B-H-O. I said, there's no chance. In the aftermath of 9-11, Saddam Hussein and Al-Qaeda, there's no way that a guy named Barack Hussein Obama, and the person said, this person just blew the roof off of the Boston Garden. So I didn't have an opportunity to uh, see the live presentation. I looked at it on tape, and I said, yeah, good speaker, but I, I don't know. President of the United States, please. And, man, he became president of the United States, a beloved figure. In fact, recently when he was speaking uh, down in Georgia, Aiding and abetting uh, the U.S. Senator Warlock. I'll always call him Warlock, not Warnock. Versus Herschel. I got to tell you about uh, 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 the movie I saw last night. You know, a horror movie. Uh, vampires and wolves and all. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> and Barack Obama went out there and he sliced him and diced him. No, no, Joe Biden. They didn't want Joe Biden to come down to Georgia. But, boy, when they heard Barack Obama out there on the stump, they said, man, that's what we need, a Barack Obama. Enough of Trump. Enough of Biden. They'd, they'd bring back uh, Barack Obama in a heartbeat, the Democrats, if they could. But Michelle Obama, was she talking... Um, in a manner that she shouldn't have, as the former first lady, should she have been revealing the problems that they had internally in her marriage? Now, obviously, 
We found out about problems between Gerald Ford and Betty Ford. That's where the Betty Ford Clinic came in. Uh, she uh, was a junkie. We found out the same thing about uh, Michael Dukakis and his wife. I believe his wife developed a dependency on drugs, if I uh, remember correctly. And a lot of times we would just not hear what was going on internally from the person itself, even after the fact, even until the moment uh, that it was ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Is this just a changing of the guard of a new generation? Uh, Was Michelle Obama being helpful to other women who were in the same situation, who basically would have broken out of their marriage if not for the kids because they were living a life of misery and her case, she said, for 10 years. 10 out of 30 years of marriage, she says, ultimately it was worth it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Nikki in Asbury Park. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Nikki. Yeah, uh, Curtis, uh, do you remember the uh, who played the father of Al Pacino in The Dog Day Afternoon? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The father of Al Pacino in Dog Day uh, Afternoon, where he, his character was named Sonny. What was the last name? I keep uh, messing up his last name. Wojcik or something like that? Well, I don't remember all that, but I could give you a hint. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Johnny Ola. Oh, you're kidding. Johnny Ola. You know, and then I, later on, Uncle Junior. That's right. You you know, Yaniola. Um, I actually was in a restaurant downtown Manhattan, and sitting behind me, this is years ago, was Yaniola, and I guess what was his wife? I didn't, I didn't ask uh, if it was his wife or not. Sometimes you know these guys they go out with their gumadas, but yeah. he was. Just like he was in the movies. Just yeah, like he was. Uh, his wife is Jane. She worked for the United Nations. Actually, he called me two days ago from, he lives in Surrey, London now. Surrey, England. Yeah, Surrey. Oh, I've been to Surrey. Yeah. Why, why is he, why is he, uh, 90th birthday. why is he over there? He moved there with her. Because I think she was uh, English or is English. Wow. Wow. Johnny Ola. Yeah. yeah. And most right, right. most people, naturally, most people, when they see him, out of all the many roles that he's played, when they see him in real life, what do you think they most identify him with? Uh, I don't know. I guess Uncle Junior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'd say so. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's had a fascinating career. Fascinating career. I would never have got that. Uh, in fact, if you had put uh, two forty-four magnums to my head and said, you better come up with who the father was of Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon, I would have blown it. Dominic Chianese. Ah, oh, Dominic Chianese. I, I actually produced his Italian album, so that's, and I'm a listener of yours. So Yeah, uh, yeah guitar player. Guitar player, right? And he sings. He sings quite well, actually. How long has he done that? He's done that. Uh, well, he told me that in Godfather 2, he wanted to sing the Italian part when they go back to Little Italy, when the kids, when they romance his son and uh, on, the, on the stoop. 
and he says, Michael, I love you, Bonosai, Bonosai, I love you very much, Bono, uh, very much. But uh, the Coppola wanted the real Neapolitan to, to sing it. So it's quite a long time, 50 years, 60 years, who knows. Nice. He's a saint of village. He, was, um, he told me he was uh, saying folk music. Wow, he's... Uh... He's been quite the character that I've seen all over New York, but... Um, uh, oh, yeah, he loves New York, absolutely. Yeah, but Uncle... 90 years old, probably 91 now. You're right, Uncle Junior is probably what he'll best be remembered for and shooting Tony Soprano as he was having dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah, well, actually, I never, I never watched... Uh, Sopranos, but uh, he had a big part in it. Oh, you should. You should watch that episode where he's starting to act like Joe Biden, you know, where he's losing his memory. Right, right, and right. And I think Tony Soprano comes over to talk to him at his house, and he's assuming somebody's there to hurt him or kill him. So he grabs his gun and he shoots Tony right in the stomach. Yeah, well, I know he, he, we went, we had a recording session in New York around that time, and he uh, he, he said to me, Nikki, I, I just uh, I'm losing my memory, so forgive me if I uh, don't remember the lyrics. <laughs> but it was great. You got to watch. He pulls it off brilliantly because uh, I've seen older people in that situation where you can see they're beginning to lose control of their mental faculties. And people that they've known their whole life, people that are close to them, family members, they can't identify them, so they get frightened. And they've actually physically attacked them or grabbed weapons and implements and tried to hurt them. Well, he's, he's 91, as I said, and uh, he sounds sounds like you or me. Just very clear, very lucid, you know, nothing, you know. So I think it's his activity, and he has a strong faith in God. So that's that's another thing. Nikki, I got to tell you, if you were to say, look at this guy, how many roles have you seen him play over time? At first, you know, you you think, oh yeah, uh, Junior in uh, in uh, uh, in the Sopranos, and then you say, oh yeah, Godfather, and then you begin to see, boy, this guy was in a hell of a lot of pictures. Oh yeah, quite a few. Uh, quite a few. He's had quite a career, and he's he's quite a guy. I'm going to tell him that I uh, I spoke with him. Oh, absolutely, and uh, give him my best uh, over in Surrey. Wow, Surrey. Yeesh. And, of course, there's Surrey outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. If any of you know Surrey outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, a little suburb. Oh, it's a mess. It's a mess with such a beautiful suburb. So beautiful. Vancouver, it's, oh, my God, it's got homeless everywhere. It's got the tents, Maine and Hastings, the Carnegie Center, and then Surrey. You, you, you take the, 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 the monorail, the train. They got a great train there right out to Surrey, and they're all there at the train stop. Junkies, dope fiends, meth heads, fighting. Oh, they destroyed Surrey. If any of you are connoisseurs of Surrey in England, outside of London, or Surrey, outside of uh, Vancouver, not Victoria. Victoria, no, it hasn't been tainted. Still, they grow the tulips there. Victoria, gorgeous city. And then the rainforest. Oh, magnificent, B.C. No, not before Christ, Avery. I realize you're a holy roller. You know, the, you're the pastor's uh, favorite parishioner. But B.C., British Columbia, not before Christ. Everything with this guy has religious connotations.
separation of church and radio station, except when it's Rabbi Potashnik and uh, Reverend Bernard. Yeah, that's Sunday mornings at uh, 7 o'clock. I need to get back on there and smack these guys around. Yeah, and, and I'm going to be listening Sunday at 7. I know you say, what, you're always listening? Hell yeah. I want to hear Rabbi Joe Potashnik explain what George Santos meant when they said, are you Jewish? And he said, no, I'm Jew hyphen ish, but I'm Catholic. I would love for Rabbi Potashnik, who's pretty good at doing stand-up, to explain that, how you could be a Catholic, but in the words of George Santos, be Jew hyphen ish. You know, I kind of figured it out. Now that he's uh, living with his sister in Elmhurst with the two Irish terriers walked in there with the Hermes bag. So on Saturday, he'll go to the local uh, local bagel bender joint. By the way, we're going to do a whole thing on bagel bending uh, within 24 hours in the new year. After I bring in the new year with the countdown, all of that here exclusively at WABC. After coming from Times Square where I'll be able to tell you what it was like. And my wife, Nancy, will be joining us. She'll be drinking. I won't. Because nobody else wanted to do it. Nobody wants to freaking work. But I digress. I digress. (laughs) I got to get out of here. Our number is one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Dave, who's calling from Dumont in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here, at WABC. Dave. Hey Curtis, how are you? How do you think I am? I think you're probably doing pretty good. No, you're wrong, and let me tell you why. I just gone through a whole week here with our owner operator, John Katzmatidis in which we've had to substitute for, like, half a dozen gold bricks here who decided they're going to take a vacation, and now they're extending their vacation. So I'm pissed. Got no time off, huh? Oh, no. I'm, you know me. I don't want time off. Uh, but in the words of my wife, she was pissed. So remember, Dave, when your wife is pissed, you have to act pissed even though I welcome doing more hours on the radio. <laughs> I mean, think of that. If I would, if my wife said, oh, doesn't anybody work here at WABC? If I would say, no, that's good. I want to do more talk time on WABC. She said, what about our life, huh? What about our marriage? So instead, I have to say, yeah, Nancy, it really is these deadbeats, these slackers, these nor-do-wells. You know, I, I guess I'm going to have to sacrifice myself, Dave, and do it. Are you kidding? I love every second of it, Dave. Okay. So I'd, oh, I'd befuddled you. That's not why you called, Dave, is it? No, I called for other reasons. Oh, well, what are those, what are those reasons, uh, Dave? Uh, well, uh, you had a lady on that was uh, speaking at length about, uh, you know, women are born with uh, two X chromosomes and a, a man have an X and a Y chromosome. What does a hermaphrodite have? You know what a hermaphrodite is? Hermaphrodite has a penis and a vagina. Now, question, Dave. Uh, 
Wouldn't you have wished to have been a hermaphrodite because then you would have had all the equipment so that if one day you decided, gee, I, I want to change anatomically who I am, you were already it. Exactly. How I, convenient. I mean, you're damn right, because nowadays we've been told, look, you must respect the person who is uh, asexual or polyamorous or female or male or non-binary who on any given moment, any given day, any given week, any given month, any given year can suddenly decide I'm changing that just because I'm saying it and you must respect that day. Okay. How crazy is that? It's wild. But now, imagine you are you are blessed. You're born a hermaphrodite. You're both male and female anatomically, man. It's like you decide one day, I just want to be the male part of me. So you get the ace bandage and you cover up the female side of you. The next day you decide, I want the female side of me to sort of it. And then you take the schlong and you wrap it around your leg, you know, with the ace bandage. That's why the ace bandage can come in very handy. Uh-huh. See? What, what great people in history have been hermaphrodites? I really don't know, but I know actually it's more common than people think. Now, now, hold on a second. You know it's more common than people think, but you can't cite one woman or one man in history that was a hermaphrodite. Shame on you, Dave. Uh, you, you, you didn't do your deep dive. You didn't do your research before you made this call. No, I did, but all I know is they're more common than... Yeah, but Dave, don't you feel ashamed of yourself that you only delivered like half a sandwich instead of a full sandwich? It's like, you ever get pissed off where you go to the diner and they say, oh, we give you a, we give you not a bowl of soup, we give you a cup of soup and half a sandwich. And you say, no, I want a bowl of soup and I want the full sandwich. Sorry, half a sandwich and a cup of soup. See, that's the problem, Dave. You only brought half the package to us. I want to know historically who is either infamous or famous who has been a hermaphrodite, which meant they were born with both packages. Well, I will tell you that Pete Townsend said about 25 years ago, he said, uh, 30 years ago, he said, not only am I, I a man, but I'm a woman. And as we saw, man who had invested time in investigating pedophilia, and when they seized his computer and found it on the hard drive, he said, that doesn't make me a pedophile because I was just doing research. Did you believe that, Dave? Well... He got off, so, I mean, he didn't uh, go to jail. Well, that's so. because he was Peter Townsend. Peter Townsend, because a great guitar player for the Who, smashing his guitar at every performance. You know he was a pedophile, Dave. Okay, if you say so. Well, how would I know? Well, I was just looking at pictures. Well, a picture does not necessarily tell you a thousand words, does it? No. 
I mean, if you look at Pete Townsend, I see a potential psychotic killer. He's got that psycho look when he's smashing that 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 that, that guitar of his over and over on stage. You never detected that? That psychotic part of his nature at the end of every performance. Smash, 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 smash. Yeah, I know that he know I know he used to do that years ago when, when they were performing, when they were touring. By the way, speaking of performing and touring, I happen to be in Portland, Oregon at the same time in the early eighties organizing the Guardian Angels. Uh I was in the Burnside section and it just so happened that the Who were performing, and they were staying at a hotel downtown, and they had to cordon off the area because they had busted out all the windows and threw the furniture down uh, about 18 stories, and that was considered cool, hip, happening. They busted up their hotel rooms. I believe, though, it was not Keith Moon. I believe it was not Roger Daltrey. I believe it was nobody else. I believe it was Peter Townsend because I believe Peter Townsend was psychotic. If you notice, he would break his guitar at every performance. I don't have to be a shrink to be able to figure that. He had this rage, this internal rage, because deep inside, Billy, Broadway Billy, he knew he was a pedophile. He knew that. But he had to rage as he was signing up for the North American Man Boy Love Association. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm extrapolating now. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. French stuff here. You know I hate the Beatles. You know that Broadway, Billy. I hate the Beatles. I hate Paul McCartney more than I hate most things in life. And I hate a lot of things. And I hate Ringo Starr. George Harrison, Medze Medze, Poco Poco. I really like John Lennon. But leave Yoko Ono at home in the closet. Because I don't want to sing it. I always saw it. That if you wanted to break the spirit of Al-Qaeda and those ISIS prisoners housed in Gitmo, you don't just do it with sleep deprivation. You don't do it with waterboarding with Vice President Dick Cheney still at the helm. You do it by having Yoko Ono sing for like an hour straight and they'll give up all the information. Al-Qaeda would say, no mas, no mas. I give up. Khalid Sheikh the Schmuck Mohammed would say, I give it up. As a woman, I was the worst singer I'd ever, ever heard. And that's saying a lot. Because, you know, between Vinny Madugno and uh, coming on from 5 to 6. Oh, by the way, I bogart his show. Oh, you're going to want to listen. I take over his show. I take over his DJ. 
telling you, you give me an inch, I eat up all your talk real estate. And then, you know, when people say, oh, you're working so hard, you know, and I say, oh, yeah, yeah. Meantime, to myself, it's like, I want more. I want more. I want more talk time. I want WABC to be always broadcasting, Curtis, morning, noon, and night. But I can't say that. So I say, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a burden this week. No, it's not. I love every second of it. Give me an hour of your talk time, Frank Morano, you mamaluke, and you may never get it back. Or Sid Rosenberg, or anybody else who decides to be a slacker, a deadbeat, a gold brick. <laughs> oh, enough of this. I hate this. Uh, I hate this. Get, get rid of the Beatles. Get out of here. And by the way, WABC, WA Beatles, they always claim, oh, we were the first with the Beatles. I don't know who lies more, W.A. Beatles, C., or George Santos. Murray the K. and the Swinging Soiree had the Beatles first. In fact, I think it was a station in Washington, D.C. that actually played the Beatles before anybody else. Murray the K. and the Swinging Soiree had the Beatles first. I believe at that moment he was with W.I.N.S., not the all-news station that it is now. They played Top 40. Remember, you had the All-Americans at WABC. I never listened to WABC because they only played Top 40, the Top 40. They never broke any music. I listened to the good guys over at WMCA because they would break new music doing Top 40. And I listened to WINS. And I listened to WWRL because I loved uh, R&B and still do. I did not listen to WABC. Little bit at night, a poco poco, a medze medze, cousin Brucey, real Brooklynite. The rest of them, they carpet baggers. Carpet baggers. Don't get me started on that. But then I would hear these promos. Oh, W.A. Beatles seat. We were the first Beatles station. No. Uh, who's uh, who's the program director then? What, George Santos uh, creating that image? <laughs> what happened to what happened to the swinging soiree there, guy? Huh? What happened to him? Huh? Did he just suddenly disappear? He was the first. Let's give him credit. Let's give credit where credit is due. And uh, more importantly, his mother actually consulted Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren would oftentimes. Uh, Murray the K in the Swinging Soiree would create songs and jingles. And Murray the K uh, said to Bobby Darren, why don't you talk to my mom? Because that's where I get most of my music and jingles from. Your mother. And he was on the phone for an hour with Murray the K, the Swinging Soiree's mother. And guess what? That's where he came up for with the music and the words for Splish Splash. From Murray the K, the Swinging Soiree's mother. Who would have told you it was Murray who first had the Beatles? Not Cousin Brucey, not WABC, not anybody else, and it wasn't WA Beatles C. Provisionism. Or George Santos, whatever you want to call it. 1-800-848-9222. Speaking of uh, George Santos, let's go to Neil in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Neil. Hey, Curtis. I think what he meant when he said was he's Jew-ish is because Jesus was a Jew. So even though he's Catholic, he could still be Jew-ish. I think that's where he got it from. Huh. 
Very interesting. So the fact that he disavowed being Jewish said, no, 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 I'm really not Jewish. My mother was not Jewish. I was not born Jewish. But uh, I was Jew-ish is the result of finally acknowledging he's a Catholic from Brazil uh, and that Jewish, when he died for our sins, was a Jew. So, as I've said many times, and I think you've heard me say this, I always joke, I'm Catholic, but I'm also Jew-ish, as in ish. Uh, and I've made that joke because growing up, I grew up fully aware that my grandparents were Jewish, came from, from a Jewish family, and they were refugees to Brazil. And that was always a story I grew up with, and I've always known it very well. And I've told it the way it was told to me. Now, if if it, it just strikes me so odd that people are rushing to disinherit me from being Jewish or for even allowing to care for Israel and Judaism in a time and an era where anti-Semitism is at a all-time rise. And here's somebody who actually cares about Jews, cares about uh, uh, um, Israel, and somebody who's willing to fight for them. And and we have people pushing me away. It's, you know, I got a text from somebody today who says, George, I don't care what they say. You're still an MOT. And I'm sure you know what an MOT is. Um, okay. Member of the tribe. Oh, <laughs> member of the tribe. Yeah. Neo, uh, what does MOT mean? Member of the tribe? Yeah. Well, what tribe? The tribe of Cohen? He's certainly not the tribe. We'll, we'll see Andy Cohen. There's nine tribes, I think. I don't. I don't know which tribe he's part of. I know which tribe, tribe I'm part of. I don't know which tribe, tribe he's part of. I, I actually never heard that the explanation. Now, this is I, what I, I thought think. being Jew-ish is. It means that you did have a bar mitzvah, but it was in a church because the synagogue was being repaired at that time. Yeah, that, that would be a that would be a first. Although you must say the man this is the perfect politician. You know, Biden, he lied over uh, 46 years. This guy compressed it all into one uh, campaign. <laughs> and doesn't this uh, put politicians in a light that most people think that they are anyway? They lie, they cheat, they steal. Every one of them. Every one of them. It's just a matter of what, uh, what degree. I got it. The biggest hurdle I had when I was running for mayor was that people would come up to me and say, Curtis, not for nothing, but now that you're a politician, you shook your first hand, kissed the first baby. I never I never said, oh, I'm not a politician. You know, the moment you you kiss your first baby, you shake your first hand, you're a politician. They say, well, now that you're officially a politician, you'll be corrupt too. You'll be a liar. You'll just want to benefit yourself. It's so ingrained in people that that's what people do when they become politicians. Well, our whole family voted for you, Curtis, every one of us. And all my friends voted for you. Matter of fact, I was talking to my friend who's a retired NYPD, and uh, I said, you know, I can't stand listening to that Bo Needle. I said, he's like a little weasel. You know, when he when he was, when was you were running, he said, oh, Curtis is the best guy, but I'm going to support Adams. I think he did, did that because he was looking for a job from Adams, and Adams never came through. Now all of a sudden he's against Adams. The guy's a weasel, Curtis. I got to tell you, he's not alone, though. Uh, all during my run here at WABC, you know where I got the most support from, uh, Neil? The Staten Island Jews like me. 
Yeah, well, I, I won Staten Island overwhelmingly. If there was a mayor of Staten Island, I would have been elected uh, mayor of Staten Island. I got 80% of the total vote, Jews and Gentiles. But the person who most supported me wasn't even on this station. In fact, to this day, every time he's asked a question on his show at WOR, Mark Simone, he says, I told you so, you should have elected Curtis. All during the campaign, he would interview me every week. They wouldn't even do that here at WABC, the House of Sliwa. Yeah, I don't listen to Simone because he says something bad about Frank for some reason. He doesn't like Frank, so I don't like Simone. Well, you know, with Frank, uh, I got to tell you, Neil, what a piece of work this guy is. Frank the Mama Luke Morano. Now, Bill, you, you know how over at WCBS-FM where you've worked for 40 years, you got Joe Causey, uh just retired. You have uh, Scott. Man, I forgot his name already. You see, he's retired and I forgot his name already, Scott Shannon. I worked with him for years when he was at WPLJ. By the way, our old owners and operators, Cumulus, Lights out at WPLJ. No more station. That would have been us next. But the most interesting thing is that Frank Morano now has a nationally syndicated show at night from coast to coast. People would die for that. Die for that. Where is he this weekend? He's at his annual wine and cheese, his wine and fromage tasting event at Atlantic City while he's shooting craps into Borgata and losing every nickel, diamond, penny he has. You would think you would want to be at WABC. Not shooting craps into Borgata, losing. Not tasting Velveeta. And not drinking uh, Mad Dog 2020, Wild Irish Road, and Boone's Farm, swishing it in your mouth and then spitting it into a spittoon and acting like uh, you're a connoisseur of great fromage and wine. Give it up, Frank. The place you should be is right here at WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Brian calling all the way from, I hope, Vancouver, British Columbia. Is that correct, Brian? That's correct, yes. Uh, Hello, uh, Curtis. I've been enjoying your podcast and listening to you on the radio, doing my mobile security out here in Vancouver. Originally a Jersey boy from Kearney, New Jersey, where they film The Sopranos, a little bit of that. Wait, 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 wait. From Kearney, you pronounce it so well, right outside of Nur. Oh, I did. I did. I didn't know that. What prompted you to move from Kearney, which is like you're under an industrial cloud there off the Passaic River, like there's a plume there that if you breathe it, you'll end up dying of toxicities, to going out to God's country, Vancouver. Well, my dad's brother, my late dad's brother had uh, a brother out here. I visited him. I had a Canadian girl. I fell in love with the place and watched it kind of deteriorate in the last few years, but it's still beautiful, Curtis. Brian, have you ever uh, have you ever walked through uh, Stanley Park? Oh, absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, there are three people, three people who say their lives were changed the first time they walked through Stanley Park. There is uh, the Canadian rocker, rock and roller, Brian Adams, who said when he walked through Stanley Park, his life was changed forever. Uh, There was Sun Young Moon when he came over from Korea, the Unification Church. Uh, We know that was for the bad. I remember. remember, 
And then Curtis Sliwa, when I organized Guardian Angels up on East Main in Hastings near the Carnegie Center, I walked through through Stanley Park, and I said, man, life will never be the same. This is paradise, Stanley Park. And then I went to East Main and Hastings, and I said, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I I went in there uh, now and then, and uh, I had to do a little patrol in there, and... uh, you know, it's, it's the dairy has deteriorated, but I, I just love the, the place, uh, Curtis. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a Jersey boy. I mean, I was brought up on listening to WMCA, and I loved uh, even Sterling's old sports show. I miss New York uh, talk radio, but out here is the home is where the heart is, Curtis. I love it out here, you know. But, but you, 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 have to, you have to admit the uh, talk radio in Vancouver sucks. Oh, it does. It sucks. I mean, it's all pussified. Oh, well, sorry. Pussified. I mean, it's just, it's just. Now, let me ask you this, Brian. Have you ever been near, near, right next to your Surrey? Yes. Yes, it's beautiful. Uh, well, uh, Surrey Central, uh, very dangerous. I mean, I watched the food bank out there five days about five years ago. Very dangerous. I mean, I mean you know, uh, I had a, a little car there with me, and it was very dangerous. It's ducking half the time. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that uh, yeah, isn't that, that amazing that in such a beauty I consider Vancouver the most beautiful city in the Western Hemisphere, the most beautiful. The only uh, one that supersedes it is over uh, on the uh, African continent, Cape Town, South Africa. But wow. uh, Vancouver is so beautiful, and then to see. Yeah how it's deteriorated, not quite like Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and L.A., but uh, uh, you see people shooting up right outside. You see people living in the streets in some areas. Well, you know, Curtis, I walk about, I live about five miles from that area in a fairly nice area in central Vancouver, and I do mobile security and because uh, I retire from everything else, and uh, I like it. It's fairly safe. It ain't like NYC or nothing like that, you know. But, you know, it has deteriorated in that downtown section there, Curtis, where you walk there. It's, it's disgusting. We have to stay out of there. I'm worried about my wife walking around there. I, I, you know, I tell all females, stay the hell away from there. And then when you get, off the, you get off the train and you, you take it yeah. to Surrey and you walk right there, right near the train station, it's horrible. Yeah, huh. yeah I know. Uh, it's, it's bad. Well, last time I was out really, well, way out in Surrey, was I, was, I actually watched the Doors reincarnation there, the Doors of the 21st century, and it's actually a nice area. Way, the farther you go out, it's pretty pretty big municipality, Curtis, but that area you're talking about, it's all deteriorated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, oh, but it, it makes me just, Brian, it makes me want to cry because such a beautiful city, just like San Francisco. Although it's deteriorated far more, San Francisco. But elements all on the West Coast, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland. Then you go up to Portland, Seattle. Then you go to Vancouver. Many of the same problems, the homeless, drug addicts, dope fiends. You say to yourself, how could it be? This is way more beautiful than the East Coast. From that area, Vancouver down to San Diego, if you just drove it all along the Pacific Highway, I mean, gorgeous. East Coast, forget about it. Yuck. You can take it from Halifax. Yeah, Halifax, you know, the uh, uh, Nova Scotia, the Maritime Provinces, right on down through Maine. Yuck. Kennebunkport. 
and through Nantucket, you know, Boston, right on down, all the way to Key West, cannot compare to the ride along the west coast of Canada and the United States. I mean, that is gorgeous. And look at what has happened. Check this out. On the weekend. Info. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. See, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Or to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say, up, jump the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm, and I'll make your body rock. Well, so far, you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. Well, 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 we see Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, his new moniker, his new nickname, as you turn, is uh, out of town Adams. Well, right before the dropping of the ball today, I'll be uh, in Times Square with the Guardian Angels, and then I got a scoop back here, because at uh, 12 midnight, I will be counting in the new year with my... Animal rescuer and lovely wife, Nancy. Because apparently nobody else will do it here, Broadway Billy. You'll be here, right? Because you're Brit. You'll be here, Avery, because you're Brit. The rest of them, they're Sada and Morda, but they're not Brit. So anyway, we'll welcome in the new year with all of you. We'll count it down. We'll have a, an, oh, we'll raise the roof. Now, I can't drink any longer because I have chronic Crohn's disease. But my wife, Nancy, will drink for both of us, I can assure you. Uh, she, at times, can be a real booze hound. But it's time to celebrate, right? I mean, anything's got to be better than 2022. I mean, how bad can you get? Ah, 2021 was worse. 2020 was even worse than that. Because uh, we had Comrade Bill de Blasio, but now we're stuck with Eric Adams, who considers himself the hip-hop mayor. So how is he welcoming in the new year? You think he's going to stand there with uh, Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen? No. You think he's going to be over there with um, American Bandstand? Uh, man, let me tell you something, Ryan Seacrest, uh, Seacrest uh, you milquetoast, you're no Dick Clark. Or anybody else doing a broadcast, I think they're going to have me on Newsmax. I think they want me on in Times Square Newsmax. Can you imagine that? I think about 10.30, 10.45. And then I got to scoop my way back here in order to be with all of you to welcome in the new year. But first, the mayor, Eric Adams, Remy Ma, and Papoose will make an announcement about the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Now... The Universal Hip Hop Museum, he's already given five and a half million of our dollars. In this recent stimulus package, the Schmuck to Putz, Chuck E. Cheese, Schumer, and Hakeem, I'm a hip hop man, Jeffries, has given them millions of more, and they're not even open yet in the South Bronx. And by the way, when you look at their 990s, and you run a 501c3 like I do, the Alliance of Guardian Angels, Inc., as is the Hip Hop Museum. Anybody who's given more than $25,000 has to be listed. And guess what? As of today, Avery and uh, Broadway Bill Lee, 
Jay-Z, who's a billionaire, hasn't given a penny. Mm, Puff Daddy, who's uh, almost a billionaire, once he's able to sell legal marijuana, he desperately wants those licenses. He'll be a billionaire. Nas, he's a millionaire. A lot of these other hip-hop monsters, they're millionaires. How come they haven't donated any money to the hip-hop museum? Because I don't think they trust the people who are running them. And who would know better than them? Who probably been ripped off along the way when they were making their bones, doing hip-hop, and having battles of the MC, right? Oh, yeah. You know we're doing a deep dive on this uh, Universal Hip Hop Museum. I'm telling you, I have a feeling that uh, that money that's been taken from us, the taxpayers, both at the federal level and the local level, to subsidize, it's not even open yet. It'll be a dark day in hell before we ever see the results of that money. Anyway, uh, stay tuned on all of that. Let's go, if we can, to Donovan, who's calling all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bank. Uh, Donovan. Curtis, I just wanted to let you know, because I heard you mention Vancouver this evening and the other fellow, Brian, who called in earlier and a few weeks ago, uh, that it is actually kind of touching to know that somebody in New York City uh, has been to Vancouver and can speak vividly about Stanley Park and you know, despite all the problems we have, it's uh, I'm born and raised here. And it is, a you know, for the most part, a beautiful city. Oh, God, it is so gorgeous. In fact, if you're in the bluffs, I forgot the area it is, and you're overlooking the city, which is down low, right near the harbor area, you see the ships coming in. You're like, oh, my God. Like the North, I think you're talking about the North Shore. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just, just to let you, you know, I am, I myself am completely blind. I have zero vision whatsoever, have been since birth, but uh, absolutely love radio. And so being able to tune you in on my uh, um, Amazon device uh, and Frank, of course, during the week is a real gift because, you know, unfortunately, talk radio in Canada uh, is not all that great, especially at night. Uh, Don, man, let me... Uh quantify that for you it sucks having been a guest on many talk radio programs uh, across the breadth of uh, canada uh, in vancouver uh, in calgary in edmonton in saskatchewan regina uh, over in obviously to toronto montreal the best uh, talk radio i ever listened to and i ever participated in was actually in halifax really yeah jch yeah, no, no, it was very good. It was very good. More American style. It was uh, on the edge. A lot of the Canadian radio, it's like it, uh, they're too nice to one another. They're too courteous to one another. Well, there is, there is one guy who, who was doing talk and is now doing a, a music show, but I think we'll evolve back to talk. He's an Australian um, implant, I should say, an immigrant to Canada by the name of Drex. And uh, he's definitely, you know, a little more to the left, but uh, he has a way of pushing the envelope and being a bit edgy. Uh, uh, For example, the reason he came to Vancouver uh, and started doing talk radio there was because he was over on on Vancouver Island and the premier, kind of to our American listeners, the equivalent to the governor of B.C., woman by the name of Christy Clark. And Drex was asked by a listener a question, and it was – he posed it to her on the air. Would you prefer to be known as a cougar or a milf? And that got him instantly fired and hired in Vancouver, where he's done great things. So wow. There, there wow. is but, some hope. But I will tell you, Donovan, 
to go from the mainland, Vancouver itself, the city proper, to Vancouver Island, which is extraordinary. You take the ferry over. That's another part of the gorgeous journey of Vancouver. And I realize you were, you were birthed blind. But, Donovan, there are thousands, tens of thousands of folks just like yourself, whether uh, they ended up becoming blind or sight-challenged later on in life or they were born that way, who listen to radio religiously because it is theater of the mind. And I think those who are blind are more dependent on radio in terms of imagining what it is that's being spoken about than anyone else in society. I 100% agree with you. And it's just sad growing up. You know, I'm 38 years old now. And when I was younger, obviously it wasn't the glory days of like the, the WABC 50s, 60s, 70s, but radio, there were, still, there were still very good local radio. And we've seen that really uh, diminish in Canada in the last 10 to 15 years. And, well, well I know, will tell you this, uh, Donovan. Uh, I've had long conversations this week uh, with. Uh, our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, because he and I, we've been substituting in the morning for Sid Rosenberg, in addition to uh, uh, all the other programs we've been doing this week. And uh, he, uh, I have convinced him that we're already a global radio station heard all around the world with all the special uh, technological improvements, apps that you can use, streaming audio on your laptop, on your worktop computer, but I truly believe that um, we can turn this program that I do, um, the other side of midnight from 12 midnight to 6 East Coast time, which is Saturday morning, the one we're doing now to the break of dawn. And then so nice we do it twice, Sunday mornings, 12 midnight to uh, 6 in the morning to the break of dawn. Uh, we can turn it into a global program because I've been lucky enough to travel the world in setting up guardian angel groups that I can speak uh, to folks like yourself and have some kind of working knowledge of the area that you're living in. Man, I couldn't agree more. And that's that's what really drove me to call in. It was like, man, there's this guy in, in, in New York who actually is talking about nuances of our city, of my city, that uh, nobody else really would. And uh, that just speaks to your knowledge as in, in the world travels. And you're absolutely right in terms of, the um, different devices and apps, uh, it's really opened my eyes, uh, so to speak, to uh, all sorts of radio out there. Um, although, I'll, I've got to say, there's nothing beats tuning in a, an AM station through the static. And I know we'll probably never get quite back to that, but I was in New Jersey about a year ago for American Thanksgiving and, and listened to you on, uh, on the AM radio. And that was a cool experience unto itself. Well, on the terrestrial radio, the static that you uh, defined, you can hear this on a um, uh, an old-fashioned radio, um, 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, right on down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas and Bermuda, uh, on the, uh, the old-fashioned radio that we've all grown up with. So, Donovan... Uh, know that you have uh, friends here at WABC, now a global entity across spanning the world with news talk. Amazing. And better than what they do locally. We've heard that from the Brits over in London. We've heard that throughout Canada, folks who have called in. We've heard that from our Aussie friends in the land down under who've called in from Sydney and Melbourne. And uh, I truly will push 
push that uh, with uh, our owner-operators, John and Marco uh, Katsimatidis, so that uh, we truly can anoint this station. Maybe in this coming new year as part of our uh, WABC resolution, resolution to become the global uh, talk radio and news outlet to the world. We can do it. I can lead the way, and I can show the others how to do it. Uh, they probably may not have as uh, many experiences as I've had, but say, hey, it can be done. And maybe simulcast. Well, what about that, Broadway Bill Lee? How about, you know, a simulcast with the BBC? Get some of those Brits who used to make fun of me all the time. What's this American calling up John Wayne, you know, with cruise missiles in his pocket? You know, this Ronald Reagan wannabe, this Donald Trump. And I would tell him, I'm a never Trumper, you know, I'm a, I'm a rhino. No, it doesn't matter. You're an American. You're a Trumper. I, I would love to tangle with any of those, um, uh, they call them, um, oh, actually, what's the term there? Presenters. They don't even call them talk show hosts or hostesses. We have our presenters here on the BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, and, of course, BBC International, BBC Four. Let's get it on with those slimy blimeys. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. <laughs> Guy Lombardo ever miss a New Year's Eve presentation? The Royal Canadian uh, Band there, speaking of Canadians. He used to do uh, radio 27 years he'd bring in the New Year. 27 straight years. And then they flipped the script on him and he did it to TV, I think, starting in 1956. From the Waldorf Astoria, just a few blocks away... From where we broadcast now in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. By the way, owned by the Red Chinese. Not a hotel any longer. I mean, it's the world's longest conversion uh, project to condos that I've ever seen. And guess what? By the time they finish, there won't be any need for the condos because there's already a glut of condos in New York City. Oh, yeah, Guy Lombardo, he was so good. Canadian, I remember oh, as a kid, first time a Guy Lombardo, right? No Dick Clark for us. It was Guy Lombardo. But imagine 27 years on radio, he'd welcome in the new year. And I have been chosen. Uh, what, a, what an honor. I have been chosen to welcome in the new year at 12. I'll do the countdown. Now, is it an, an honor or it's just that Cousin Brucey bowed out, Tony Orlando bowed out? They'll be doing their programs, but. They're not staying around for the countdown. Or even the uh, new Jack, uh, you know, the new prince of Staten Island, Vinnie Maduno. Or Frank Morano shooting crabs and having his uh, fromage and wine testing in Atlantic City where he'd rather be than WABC. What, is he crazy? By the way... As you know, CNN, uh, one of the few things they got going towards uh, for them is their coverage of the dropping of the ball in Times Square because they've matched up uh, Anderson Cooper, their gay guy, with Andy Cohen, 
what is that? Uh, the, the programs that uh, Sid Rosenberg loves to watch. Housewives battling uh, from Monaco to Mexico City or whatever the hell those programs are. But I never liked Andy Cohen. Never liked him until last year. Drunk, half in the bag, smashed. And then he saw Dancing with Charlene one last time. Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Soap, who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love in eight years. Let me tell you something. Oh, please. Tell us something, Andy. Watching Mayor de Blasio. Oh, don't go on a rant. Do his don't go on a rant. victory lap dance <laughs> after four years <laughs> of the, the crappiest term as the mayor of New York. The That's only thing the that York. Democrats and Republicans can That's agree how, on I mean, is what a horrible mayor he has he, been. Wow. So, sayonara, sucker. Wow. 2022. I mean, it's a new year. Because guess what? I have a feeling of I'm going to be standing right here which. next year. <laughs> and you know who I'm not going to be looking at? Dancing? As the city comes aboard, you. Bravo. Wait a sec. That's his channel, right? The Bravo channel? Well, bravo to you, Andy Cohen. That was magnificent. You had to be smashed in order to do it. Now, the question is, because that's the reason you watch CNN uh, as the ball drops. You want to see how smashed Anderson Cooper is. Very smashed. And Andy Cohen, even more smashed. In fact, he was Anderson Cooper. Marlon Brando. My mom hooked up with him. She did? With hot Marlon Brando, not like Apocalypse Now Marlon Brando. So he's giving away his mother's secrets half in the bag, right? Like, his mother's dead. He's talking about how she got it on with Marlon Brando. Oh, by the way, he's getting it on at that time with Wally Cox. Eh, who's Wally Cox? Oh, didn't I see him in... Uh, what is that? Uh, Hollywood, uh, what, what do they call that? Boom. Squares. Wally Cox. Well, to tell the truth, remember with Arlene Francis and Wally Cox, and boy, he looked like Barney Fife. And Marlon Brando was hooked up with Wally Cox. Now, who do you think he'd rather be with? Anderson Cooper's mother? By the way, uh, for those of you, I have not given away not one Curtis Levy booby prize at the end of the year. If you happen to know Anderson Cooper's mother's name, you will win a Curtis Lee booby prize. 1-800-848-9222. The last of this year. 1-800-848-9222. But now that marijuana is legal in the state of New York and they have the first legal weed shop open in Greenwich Village, which program do you predict when they're welcoming in the new year, because now everybody does it. In fact, I'll be on Newsmax at about 1045, right near Duffy Square. I think that's where they have their pop-up studio in the square. Who's going to be the first to smoke marijuana on air? Think of it. It's legal. Will it be Anderson Cooper? Probably not him. Would it be Andy Cohen? I think it might be him. Would it be Ryan Seacrest? Hell no. That guy's milk toast. That guy probably will have tea and and uh, crumpets. 
But what New Year's show, with the ball dropping, will have its host or hostess or anybody on whip out a fatty, whip out a blunt and smoke? Now, some of the acts that are performing, I think they might. Whereas normally, you know, with network television, they'd say, no, 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 put the blunts away. Don't be blazing away. They might. Can't get into trouble now. It's legal. And what are they going to do? Trace the pot? What are they going to have? McGruff, the crime-fighting dog, sniff it? <sighs> oh, I can tell this is the legal uh, weed uh, that you bought in Greenwich Village as opposed to <sighs> this joint, which is uh, obviously the black market weed. Who will be the first to whip out a blunt and blaze away on network TV now that it, the weed is legal in New York State from Buffalo to Brooklyn? Our number is one 800 And you know who's going to be all upset? The black man who happens to be gay also at CNN, Don Lemon, who I think they've assigned to New Orleans like they did last year when he was half in the bag. Well, now they've told him and his uh, compadres there they can't drink. Imagine telling them they can't drink in New Orleans, which is Sin City. It's a Catholic city. That means like Baltimore 24-7-365, the booze flows. And they tell them, Don Lemon, you can't drink. Now, Bill Lee, if you were Don Lemon, and they're letting the McWhitey-Whitey guys, the gay guys uh, who do their show, welcoming in the new year, Andy Cohen, uh, Bravo, and uh, their own Anderson Cooper, let them drink and get smashed. How come they're not letting the Oreo-Asiatic black man who happens to be gay drink also in New Orleans? Let's uh, sample a little Don Lemon. You had a shot of tequila. That was not water. And there may have been a little bit here and there. But no, I would say drunk Don Lemon is buzzed Don Lemon. Have you thought about New Year's resolutions? I have. You're kind of an anti-resolution guy. I don't really do it. I, I always live my life to the very fullest. And yes, I, you do. The thing is, I need a little bit more balance in work life. I may be open to a relationship this year. I wasn't before. Breaking but, news, Don but, Lemon is open to a relationship? I, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, actually yeah. being available to be in a relationship. Some, I, I'm, a bad, I'm a bad person today. Hold on a second. Open to a relationship? I thought he was married to that white guy. Oh, is that breaking news? No, no, don't, don't hit the breaking news sounder. Yeah, I'll bet you he cheats just as much as any heterosexual. He's probably got a, what would a male gumata be? What? Right? You're a gay guy, you're married, which I think he is to this white guy, and you're now open to a relationship is he still married to that guy? No longer married? Does he have a Gumada guy? But do you call the guy a Gumada? And which one would be the Gumada? Man, I got vertical from that. one 800 This is another... This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Oh, Money, 
I'm all the way Shorty, up. what you want? I got what you need. Me. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. Hey. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. I'm all the way yeah. up. Hey. Yo, who's that, man? That's from French Montana, right? Remy Ma, French Montana, Coke boy, right? Just bringing kilos, got shot right in the head. And who's hanging out with him now? Of course, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Also hanging out with Ja Rule. You know, I got a hundred guns, I got a hundred clips. Hey, what the hell is wrong with this man? Don't disconnect this moment. First time in New York City history. We have a hip hop band. Yeah, hip hop band giving them our money for a hip hop museum that even the rappers won't donate to. I wonder why. I wonder why. Let's go to Larry, who's calling from the uh, state of Washington. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Hey, good morning there, Curtis. Ah, where are you calling from in Washington State? I am from uh, Aberdeen, Washington, close to where Kurt Cobain was born. Wow. Madonna. Wow, that's right. Kurt Cobain, and you know it was Courtney Love who blasted him into the hereafter. You know that, right, Larry? <laughs> I, I I never I never thought of that, honestly. I thought he I thought he did it himself, but honestly I don't know. But I live over here in the rainforest. Wait, wait, wait. The rainforest, is that near Olympic National Park? Yes, sir. Yes I do. I'm a logger, but now I'm not I'm retired because I'm blind. But I used to cut timber for a living. Yes, sir. Isn't this amazing? We just had the young man call from Vancouver, Donovan, who was born blind. You were born with sight. You were a logger. Now you're retired. Now you're blind. Our most dedicated listeners, and I've been doing this for 35 years at all different times, at all different places, in all different ways, have been people who are sight-challenged or blind. It's been tough the last uh, 14 years, but I I miss the woods. I love the woods. Uh, I, this is the rainforest. I love it over here, but this is a place to be, and uh, it's a, uh, I love it here. And uh, I, I love working in the woods. I love the logging industry, and that's uh, it's kind of disappearing a little by little. But yes. It, now, Larry, ex- explain, you know, people listening, they would say, oh, rainforest, yeah, Puerto Rico, um, down in uh, the Amazonian uh, jungles, they they can imagine what that's a rainforest. They, but they're saying to themselves, how could it be a rainforest up in Washington State? Isn't it too dry there? No, not where I live up here. We get 135 inches roughly a year over here, and uh, – we get plenty of rain. It, it's been raining all day today, and um, uh, I'm used to it. The, the, you get web feet after a while, uh, Curtis. After a while, you get web feet when you live over here in this in this state. Well, I've been there because I've been in uh, East Washington. You know, further uh, towards uh, as you go towards the East Coast, and then obviously the West Coast of Washington, uh, up from uh, Seattle, but. Um, the clouds, 
the rain that we see in your state and especially over in East Oregon up near Mount Hood, that area there, uh, does that, does that, when you were, when you actually had your sight, did you become depressed because it was, it was so often overcast, it was so often rainy? No, I never did. It never bothered me. It just, it's just part of life. Worked in it. Wetness all the way down to the crack of my toenails. And uh, I, uh, I just used to it all my life, working in the woods, working in the rain. And uh, that's part of my life. And uh, it's a different story now, being retired now and not be able to uh, work. And I really miss working. I mean, I can't believe these young people today don't want to work. And I've worked my ears off all my life. And uh, when I started uh, 14 years old, I was driving truck for my father, had construction. And so, yes, I've been around logging and construction all my life. Now, Larry, the uh, old uh, ABC wide world of sports, the thrill of agony, uh, the anguish of defeat would always occasionally have competitions between lumberjacks. So we could actually see what they'd have to do, how they would climb logs how they would uh, they jump from logs to logs out in the river, you know, as they were going uh, down the river to the mills. And uh, there's no doubt that is a tough life. That is, man, a dangerous life. But when the, when the fires come through, because the fires have recently ravaged uh, a lot of forest areas, uh, mostly in California, but in Oregon and Washington, how fast is the regrowth? Uh, around here, because it's a wetter area, the rainforest, the average uh, crop can grow in 35 years. You can get a pretty good-sized tree in 35 years, and and a lot of the old growth are, are gone now. The old trees, the old growth, they call it, there, a lot of them have disappeared, and uh, they still log the daylight out of the country. They, they are after everything. They, uh, these logging companies are still after, after the logs. So, yes, they're still, still cutting away. Now, uh, Larry, I remember passing through not far from where you are, Olympic National Park. How are you listening to us in that rustic rural area so far away from New York City? I have my Alexa app, uh, my Alexa, and that's, uh-oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, oh, oh, no, anyway. that's fine. That's fine. No, no, I have my Alexa here going here. Now she's talking. Uh, I uh, <laughs> Now, wait a second. Hold on, Larry. So you're up there. You're in the middle of the Olympic National Park. So that's your that's your companion at times. You're talking to Alexa. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, I, I can't watch TV anymore, uh, Curtis, but I love my Alexa. I have so much fun. It's I, I love I listen. What happened is. I heard Cousin Bruce, he was on WABC. I didn't know nothing about it. I haven't heard about him for years. Well, anyways, then I started listening to WABC and started listening on uh, Saturdays. Now I listen to you every Saturday uh, and Sunday and and every day at uh, at, at, at uh, 12.15, I believe it, what the time is. It's 9.15 here. I listen to you every day, and uh, I really enjoy it. But I used to follow you when I was a kid. I used to follow you on TV about this Curtis Sliwa and this this gang of red hat monkeys there in New York City and 
then I heard you going around the world, and I really honestly did not know you was around the world. I didn't know that. I just knew you was in New York City, and you had this uh, – uh, they call them uh, a bunch of clowns that hang out with you. But, no, I, I respect you guys. I think you guys do a wonderful job. Your, your, well, uh, well, thank you. And, in fact – I ain't calling you a posse, not your posse. No, 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 that's fine, posse. Uh, it's the guardian angels, the guardian angels. Guardian angels, there you go. That's right. what I'm trying to say. But yes. now question, though, Larry. Uh, yes. Does Alexa give you a hard time like women give uh, hard times to guys in their lives? No. <laughs> I can tell her what to do. So I don't want to say her name right now, but I, I, I do not uh, give – she don't give me a bad time. She's wonderful to me. The best thing I ever had for my site to listen to uh, that. And, hey, I'm glad to listen to the friends up in Canada. And there's other people from Worcester State that's called in and Cousin Brucey and different programs. And uh, I really listen I, – I love the show. I love it. Hey, you, I, I can't stand sleeping on the weekends except during the day, and then I get to listen to you as much as I can. Oh, no, no, that's great. And, again, you, there are selections out there. Uh, you're not that far from uh, Spokane, are you? I am right by the ocean. I'm 40 minutes from the ocean. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm the west side. So in terms of the radio signal, you're really catching it from Vancouver and from Seattle. Yes, yes, yeah. Everything, anything I listen to is from Seattle area. I mean, local stuff. And that uh, yeah. that talk radio, I got to be honest with you, having done it myself, having uh, been a guest, uh, it sucks. Do you ever get on Cairo with uh, Dory Monson? Ever, ever, ever? No. Dory Monson in Seattle? No, never have. I I've never heard you on there, so I always listen once in a while during the day. But I do listen to your rip and read. I listen to everything you do, sir, and I enjoy the program. Well, I got to tell and, you, Larry. Uh, uh, I love being a, a WABC I'm, fan. I'm going to have to push it because uh, all the corporations are leaving Seattle. It's a it's a beautiful city in shambles because of oh, the uh, because of the radicals, the Antifa, uh, the dopers, uh, the homeless, the emotionally disturbed. I think I'm going to have to put a full court press uh, right in uh, what the area they call Pioneer Square down on yes. Pike, South Rainier Valley. Uh, and I got to go to war against the gangs over there in South Rainier Valley because they're like domestic well, they terrorists. Need they need help real bad, uh, Curtis, real bad. It's bad. Uh, and I, I, I don't live near the city. I'm two hours from Seattle, and I love it. I love not re- living around the city, but I get all the radio station signals and everything from Seattle. But I um, uh, I love it up here. Well, it's a wonderful it, place to be. That's right. And your your place to be here, Larry, is WABC. So here it is. It's a global radio station, at least the part that I do, the other side of midnight. Saturday mornings, 12 midnight to 6 to the break of dawn. And then Sunday morning, so nice, they let me do it twice, 12 midnight to the break of dawn, 6. And notice, Larry is calling from Washington State. Our previous caller, also ironically blind at birth, Donovan, whereas Larry was uh, blind at an older age, uh, having been a logger, was was listening from Vancouver, British Columbia, and we have people listening from all over the world. It is my intent, my resolution as we uh, 
pass into the new year. And I'll be welcoming you all into the new year. You don't have to, you don't have to be watching TV. And if you want to watch TV, simulcast it. Leave the TV on. Turn the sound down. Because all you're going to hear is, uh, drunks, uh, on CNN, you know, Andy Cohen, Anderson Cooper, uh, Ryan Seacrest, ABC is no Dick Clark. You know, he's milk toast. So you can watch the ball drop in Times Square. That's the simulcast TV. But it'll be my commentary right here on WABC. Your place to be. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. We're sponsored by a local radio station in New York. There was a time for a moment when we thought maybe the ball would not be lighted. And the civic-minded radio station came along and uh, took care of all of that for us. And we thank them because that's the thing that's going to happen. I see that little dot of light down about, oh, it looks like oh, a couple of inches below the big uh, red apple. And you'll see it slowly begin to descend. It's moving down. It's under the direction of Mr. Russ Brown who's been in charge of lowering that ball for a lot of years. Into approaching 30 seconds now. You can see the top light and the bottom light. It's not quite approaching the midway staff point. When it hits the bottom, it'll be 1982 in 30 seconds from now. Listen to that crowd. The Big Apple in New York City, 20 seconds away from a brand new 1982. Before pandemonium breaks loose, let me wish you on behalf of ABC and all of our New Year's Rockin' friends a happy New Year to you in 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! Forty-one years ago, the great Dick Clark came out of Philadelphia at his great show, American Bandstand, Picket, or what is it, Picket or Panic? Right, Picket or Panic. And I remember being on the same flight as Dick Clark going out to Los Angeles. By the way, it was ironic was Sandy Colfax was on it too. I think it's his birthday, Sandy Koufax. Um, I spoke with Dick Clark on the airline. He was interested in doing, uh, at that time, uh, I forget what kind of show involving the Guardian Angels. That never panned out, but he was couldn't have been nicer. And then, you know, later on he got that terrible stroke. And um, they just tried to milk him uh, too too long. Should have uh, hung it up. He just was not able to function in the capacity. The one year, remember, he went up and the ball dropped and he was he was not able to do it. I don't know if it was his decision because he, I mean, he owned this incredible production company. It was like, uh, like uh, Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo when they had Desi Lou. Dick Clark had the same kind of outfit. He had so many programs that he was uh, juggling. But they put him out there and the public saw him and he was... Uh, half the performer that he had been because of the stroke, and then they decided, that's it, no more, no more. And they brought in, what, Ryan Seacrest? Oh, God, is he a bore. God, is like milk toast. But the question is, who's going to be the first host or hostess of any of these shows? There's so many of them that are out there in Times Square now. I'll be on Newsmax at about 1045, 
right from Duffy Square. I don't know what kind of a facility they've set up. But who's going to be the first to whip out a blunt, a spliff, a fatty, now that uh, marijuana is legal in the state of New York? You know it's going to happen. You know there's somewhere. They've already said, oh, we're going to be blazing away. We'll be the first. And that will be the one that's most memorable. But right now, other than Snoop Dogg coming out to perform wherever he goes, and obviously it's a purple haze that follows him around, and he'll light up, I mean, right on stage. He'll, he'll, he he doesn't hesitate. But not as the ball is dropping. It'll be interesting to see who the first to do that will be. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Barbara in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Barbara. Hi, Curtis. Hi. Yes, Barbara. Hi, I just wanted to answer the question about Cooper Anderson's mother. Yes. Gloria Vanderbilt. Ah, Gloria Vanderbilt, who, by the way, in her death, bequeathed Anderson Cooper a truckload of money. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, he's rolling in dough. Uh, She was extraordinarily generous to her uh, son. Although, he said this. Now, let me see if this jives with you. If you think that this is uh, like uh, 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 Santos, it's almost like we've created a new term now. You know, when when you're fibbing, when you're embellishing, when you're fabricating, uh, you know, you're doing a George Santos. He said, Anderson Cooper, he said he was a young teenager, about 12 or 13. And his uh, mother, Gloria Vanderbilt, sent him with uh, two adult male friends of of her to go see a Broadway play that was starring Richard Gere at the time. And Anderson Cooper writes in his memoirs that as he sat there and watched Richard Gere and the others perform, he knew he was gay when he looked at Richard Gere. Now, what do you think? Yeah, could well. He probably did know at that point. It's interesting, though, that it would have taken him going to the theater uh, and looking at Richard Gere in performance, and then coming to the conclusion that he was gay. I think, uh, although not quite a George Santos, I think he was embellishing a little bit there, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. You know, theatrical. We call it. They call it in the business theatrical license. You have a theatrical license to embellish, yeah. to expand upon something, to fib. Uh, it's not yeah. quite, not quite a George Santos or a George, uh, a Joe Biden. Right. All right. Well, do appreciate that, Barbara. Uh, stay on the line, uh, Avery. Please. Uh, she has won the last Curtis Lee will Booby Prize of the year twenty twenty two. Remember, the rules will remain the same as we go into the new year twenty twenty three. Don't ask, don't tell, because um, I throw nickels around like manhole covers. Thank God for our owner-operators, John and Marco uh, Katsimatidis, who uh, have brought in shipments of these, oh, really great WABC caps. In this case, with the logo, if you win on my show, of the other side of Midnight, Curtis Lewis style. And you'll be styling and profiling it. It's really good. But I was giving out so many. So fast and furiously, there were some nights, uh, six hours to the break of dawn in the morning, we would have given away 25, 26 uh, booby prizes, and that just depleted the supply. 
And even though the supply uh, supplies are not as they were before the lockdown and the pandemic of March of 2020, uh, because the Transportation Secretary Boudicier, 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 Boudicier doesn't seem to have a grip on it, we're slowly uh, replenishing our supplies so that when we come back to you after the first of the year, uh, we'll be able to uh, resume uh, giving out uh, booby prizes, probably not at the same rate we were before, because, man, it was like fast and furiously, sometimes 12 an hour. But uh, we'll, we'll do some uh, in order to suffice uh, the need. Oh, yeah. Well, this is going to be good. So you don't want to miss, again, you have, uh, I'm giving you not a theatrical license, not creative license. I'm giving you the Curtis Lewa license. It's not to go out and buy a blunt, a spliff, a fatty, uh, edibles or anything like that in the first licensed pot store in New York State in Greenwich Village. I'm not doing any of that. I'm giving you the license that when we approach the new year, and I'm on air. About five minutes uh, uh, before the ball drops, uh, it'll be the end of Tony Orlando, and then I'll come on for five hours, give you a little bit of the color commentary, since I will be coming from Times Square, where I patrol with the Guardian Angels each and every year, because obviously there are always problems in and around the area. Pickpockets, jostlers, gangbangers, people too drunk, uh, too, like, uh, imbibed up on the hooch. And they can get themselves into double trouble. And then I'll come running down to the studios of WABC. My wife, Nancy, will meet me. And we will ring in the new year together with all of you. So you can keep the TV on and watch the actual dropping of the ball. Although I can do it, I'm going to do it with Theater of the Mind. But if you have to see the visual, keep your TV on. Turn the audio down. Turn the audio up on your terrestrial radio on your app, on your smartphone, your iPhone, your uh, Obama phone, uh, your burner phone, whatever uh, phone technology you have. Uh, you have your streaming on your laptop uh, or your worktop computer where you can hear it crystal clear. And I will take you right in to the countdown of the ball and welcome you in welcoming you and all of your loved ones and friends into the new year. You can actually listen to the broadcast. I'll have uh, Nancy in studio. Uh, She loves uh, to knock back a few, so she'll probably be half in the bag uh, by the time we get into the first few minutes of the new year. And then we're going to have a six-hour extravaganza. Talk a little bit about New Year's old and past. We're going to be talking about bagel-bending joints. Oh, yeah, welcoming in the new year. I have seen one particular bagel bending joint. I cannot for the life of me believe how these young hipster and millennials will wait outside in the freezing cold when it was sub-zero just a week ago. They'll wait online for like two hours to get a, a bagel and a schmear. I can't figure it out. We'll talk about that. And oh, uh, <laughs> there'll be so much to talk about. With the death of Barbara Walters, um, I certainly uh, did not give her the kind of send-off that other media people will give her a send-off to. I didn't like her. She didn't like me. And we'll keep it that way. And Pope Benedict uh, just died at 95, the German shepherd. 
another pope who uh, protected pedophiles in the church. The only positive thing he did was he retired. You know, most popes, uh, they don't they don't go until they die. This Pope Francis needs to retire now at 83, go back to the Argentine, right? Uh, you could be a bouncer again, Pope Francis, uh, outside of a strip club and a gin mill in Buenos Aires as you were before you became a priest. But I'll tell you this, it's time for your last tango in Buenos Aires. Uh, here's a guy who loves uh, Che Guevara. Remember, he was a doctor in uh, the Argentines first before he joined Fidel and Raul Castro and the revolutionaries. Behind the sugarcane curtain of Cuba. We'll also have cuts. Speaking of that, of Michael Corleone. Remember his visit to Hyman Roth in Cuba? That occurred simultaneous uh, with the New Year's celebration. And then as he uh, dispatched his hitman Rocco to try to put a my pillow over Hyman Roth's uh, face. Remember when he was in the hospital and then the Cuban federale came out and shot him? Rocco? Oh, yeah, we're going to recreate recreate all of that. It's theater of the mind, 24-7-365. We are now, I'm christening it as we approach the new year, a global entity, not only from coast to coast, but in every continent in the world. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.